It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, hey, Christina. Hey, Chelsea. <laughs> do you like books? Why? Thank you for asking. I do like books. I do too. I love books. I really like books, but you know what sucks, Chelsea? What sucks? I drive so freaking much I know. now. We live in LA. Yeah. It's just driving everywhere. But you know what makes driving better? Books? Yes. But like, don't read them. Like, okay. listen to them. How? Listen how, to them. How can I do that, Chelsea? You can go to audible.com slash CCC and sign up for a free trial. <gasps> audible.com? Is that where you can get audiobooks? Thousands and thousands of audiobooks? It is. It's like the freaking Library of Alexandria, but on the internet. Did you say Alexandria? I did, I think. We're going to have a further discussion about how you pronounce <laughs> things. But you can go to or audibletrial.com slash ccc and get access to hundreds of thousands of audiobooks at your fingertips. Yes. And then you can listen to them in the car. On the beach, as you are constructing your conspiracy theory about how aliens landed on the moon, I guess. You know, in why the not? shower. We're not going to judge. We're not going to judge. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you wish. Go get yourself a 30 day free trial. Do it. And then give us some recommendations for books. I don't know. Why not? Hi, Christina. Hi, Chelsea. How you doing? I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Things are things are wet. They are. It's lovely, except for I had to like wade through two separate oceans to get back to the apartment. So we had a discussion earlier this <laughs> evening where we got to the heart of the matter because Chelsea right. claims that she likes the rain. I do, but you don't like being in the rain. No, I like it when it's raining and I don't have to leave my house. She likes the rain. As an auditory experience and also as an excuse to not have to go outside and an excuse to not leave your home, which I feel like is not so much liking rain as you like not like having the, to leave okay, your home. But it's also like the weather when it's cold. I like it being cold because then I can bundle up and like get really comfy and like read a book or watch Netflix or something. It's the whole like attitude surrounding rain as well. It's like the I like being comfy. I don't like heat. I fucking hate heat because you can't get comfortable in the heat. There's so many wrong things with what you just said. Nah, not according to me. This is a personal opinion. Well, then don't say that you can't. Say I can't. Okay. Well, I okay. That was a general statement you made. Fair. And I I disagree because I do some of my best vegging in the summer. Nah, I don't like the heat. Also, you're part reptile, Christina. You are part reptile. That's that's a fair statement. Snake. I'm here. That was my snake noise. Slytherin. Incorrect. <laughs> I'm going to argue about this with you until the I day mean, it's not an argument. It's just you saying it over and over You're again. You're a Hufflepuff. No, I'm not. I'm Ravenclaw. I mean. How the fuck am I a Hufflepuff? 
she's not hardworking. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with that. She's not hardworking enough to be a Hufflepuff. Look, every time we have this, like, if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, you know that I, like, give up halfway through writing the fucking essays and just, like, here's the links. I uh, I think I think I'm definitely Team Slytherin. You, you, you think you're a Slytherin? Su- yeah, we've had this discussion. Ambitious, cunning. Yeah, no. What? Ambitious? I got things I want to do. Yeah, but you're you're not particularly. I don't. I wouldn't say that's like one of your defining traits. Yes, welcome to Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, <laughs> where we talk about Harry Potter houses and have awkward silences. We just it's throw baseless accusations at each other. I just. I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't think it's one of your defining traits. I think more your defining traits are like you're being kind and you're like wanting to try new things. All right, or... all right. Okay. Is there a Hogwarts house for being kind and being yeah, like Hufflepuff? Okay, you need That's to stop. That's kindness. You need yes, to stop because you're giving the the listeners a bad rap about me. You're gonna make them oh. believe things that aren't true. That you're <laughs> that you're that a you're kind, kind person. I, I am things? hard and tough no. and strong. <laughs> You and couldn't st- even get through that sentence. And strong. <laughs> You're, you are Troy from Community. You have an aura about you of like the big tough guy, but you're not. And it's a good thing. I know how to swing a hammer. Every time I think about Troy from Community, I think about that one scene where he starts crying about women in pajamas. Do you remember that? Is that the one where he's crying about his emotions? No. No. That's not that one. That's not that one. He starts crying because he's talking about how he thinks pajamas are sexier than lingerie because he just likes the idea of a lady being yes, comfortable. Yes, that's right. And he's crying while he says it. And I'm just like, this is great. Yeah, you are Troy. I can relate to that. But the thing is, Troy was also like a football star in high school. No, I realize that. But I'm saying he's Mal shaking, is his, shaking head. his head. This I is real- an audio I'm medium. That, like you, I know. You, you want to have this like, oh, I'm super tough and whatever, but you're you're does just he? really kind. Does he have? Over a podcast, apparently he does. I was mostly just being silly. Although I was in baseball for a short time. You were? Yeah. Um, the coach grabbed my ass and then said, it's not gay. So then I got out of the baseball team. What? That's okay. What? What the fuck? Yeah, I dropped. I couldn't hit the ball. Okay. I couldn't swing and hit There's the ball. There's a lot happening in the last several seconds. Okay. Totally not a joke, but I do find it funny. <laughs> That I transitioned into, yeah, I couldn't hit. And I also couldn't catch. They put me in the left outfield. I, sir, you were, how old were you? 15. I was a sophomore. Did you I mean, tell anyone? Is this well, not, wor- is it worrying at any other, is like less worrying at a different age? I mean, it gets more worrisome the younger you are, but it's still just as worrisome for a 15 year old. Well, I like, feel it like- wasn't like an alone kind of thing, like in a locker room. It was like, he grabbed each player's ass. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's that not better. That doesn't make it better. That doesn't oh, okay. make it better. I feel oh, yeah. like that we brought a weird energy to the podcast now. It's so, going to get weirder, too. Now I feel I feel like we've just, like, diving into it early, I guess. <sighs> oh, man. Okay. Oh, man. Well, welcome, everyone, to Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, the podcast where we talk about weird history, strange phenomenon, paranormal happenings. And my boyfriend getting sexually harassed as a teenager. I I mean, like, that is, like, a known thing in sports is the weird okay. ass-grabbing. Without more, consent. It was more sexually confusing. Ass-grabbing in sports is definitely a thing that does occur and may or may not have sexual connotations, but you should still ask before you grab an ass, Chelsea. I've <laughs> asked when at some point. Sure. Is your consent revoked of me grabbing your ass? It was always. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Oh, now I feel bad. Yes. I didn't think you minded. Anyway, welcome sorry. to Colts, Cribbins, and Conspiracies, where apparently no one can keep their hands to themselves. Gosh dang it. I'm just going to grab Mal's ass more often. Or don't. You like it when I grab your ass. We're dating. But yes, the podcast where we keep <laughs> attempting to get on track, but and Chelsea just, doesn't let it, us. It's just, they, we can't leave. We just can't. No. This week on Colts, Cryptids, Conspiracies, we have our usual fare of strange stories for you and corrections and correspondence. So let's let's get into that. Let's do that. Well, let's Mal, do that thing. Now you have a correspondence that you would like to share. I do, yes. Do you want to give us a little a little like summary of events that happened on Twitter yeah, for not you? Not all of it, please. No, no, no. So I had talked about last episode talking about how Sylvie gives us some wonderful dead facts because I love our klaxon for dead facts. So Sylvie Kilgallen on Twitter said, uh, for me, talking about how pickling out the parts of a bird skeleton from bird goop the other day and started wondering about the tracheal rings in birds and how they so often survive maceration. <laughs> This is long, and you can look on it on Twitter to get. It's a lot of really nice bird info. It's a surprisingly in-depth explanation about some parts of bird anatomy without ever using the actual word bird. Yes, and it's verb. all on verb. Some good verb anatomy on mm. Twitter at I, Sylvie Kilgallen. And I'm very thankful. Very good info. It actually made me look up some things about birds afterwards. So I'm actually very appreciative. Oh, nice. But yes, thank you so much, Sylvie. I deeply appreciate it. Sylvie Kilgallen also sent us some other corrections, primarily the jungle versus forest debate that we had previously. Okay, what's I, I have not gotten to that yet, so tell me. The jungle, according to Sylvie, that it's basically, it's not necessarily a regional distinction. It is more of a density distinction. Okay. The jungle is not defined by its equatorial region. That's rainforest, and Nigeria falls within the... Uh, equatorial band, so it's definitely a rainforest. The difference between jungle forest is generally related to how dense the canopy is and what grows on the ground. Thick canopy equals no shirts, etc. Growing below equals forest. Sparser canopy equals shrub, etc. Growing below equals jungle. So there, there you, go. you go. The more you know. We got alphabet flight suggested knowledge fight to us again. We've that we've been every time I mention Alex Jones, someone suggests that podcast. I feel like I just need to. Like, listen, is that the podcast or is that just the wikia? I do not know. No, it's a podcast. Okay. So, yeah, I feel like I just need to, like, listen to it at some point. You can. You have I the just technology. haven't done it yet. <laughs> you have the power. We also got a fun, some, some fun, like, little correspondence. There's also, speaking of Alex Jones, an okay. update. Oh, is there? There is. Families of Sandy Hook shooting victims win legal victory uh, and yes. lawsuit against InfoWars and Alex Jones after judge grants families discovery requests and allowing access to InfoWars internal marketing and financial documents. Oh, snap. And I retweeted that. I mean, it was obviously me, not you, because I yes. retweeted it and then said, get fucked, asshole. <laughs> I feel like our Twitter correspondents can tell who's posting they what. Know I feel the like difference. we don't have to sign it. I feel like I, I'm the only one who ever signs it, but even without me doing so, you know when it's Chelsea. Yeah. I don't hide that fact. No. But we got some wonderful little, some people sending us some stuff. So we want to give a shout out to uh, at Mind of Mallory on Twitter. We'd also like to give shout outs to Kate. Kate, who For sent the, us a good. A the good, Cat Earth Society. The Cat Earth Society, which I am joining immediately. We'd also like to thank Isabel and the Kip from Pennsylvania. And Brittany. Brittany. I thought it, there was a fourth. I. 
was trying to scroll on my phone and there were many names and I was panicking. But and Kip, TJ, Kip, Brittany, TJ, and Isabel, and Mind of Mallory on Twitter. Thank yes. you all for sending us emails and tweets with lovely little correspondence in it. We love you. Also, thank you to TJ Shirley for always just trying to provide us with theme songs. Yeah, we released Parlor of the Paranormal for everyone last week, so it probably just showed up on your feed. My mom is very confused. She's <laughs> like, why did you have an episode early? And I was like, that's the other podcast. And she the goes, first oh, one. yeah, she listened to both of them. She listens to the podcast. How does she I not know? Because she's, she's my mom. I love you, mom. Robin, I love you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you got the double dose of us last week. Yes. So hopefully that was fun. Feel free to send us any feedback for Power of the Paranormal or if you, like Brittany, had some recommendations for books that we could read, send those our way. I'm going to have to get a different notebook to write those down in. But yeah, TJ sent us a theme song for that now too. So So I will listen to it. TJ just does all our theme songs Thank you so much, TJ. Yeah. TJ's our music producer. Apparently so. We have some other emails that we will read at the end of the podcast. Yep. And until then, let's dive in. Until then, you're under... My, I was, I said my control, but that's not what it is. I guess, because I'm going first. Yes, I Our, lost my sentence halfway through. Okay, that's it's it's fine. This is a starting out to be a very strange podcast. It's gonna get stranger. Maybe I should have saved the ass grabbing for the end. I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. threw us off our rhythm. Now. I'm sorry. Yeah. We were ready to, to go, and you're just kind of like weird baseball story, and everyone's like, "What?" I'm sorry. I just. What the fuck we were you talking, talking about? about? Such wholesome things before that. But yeah, I dropped hardcore out of that. That's I'm fair. I'm glad you dropped out of it. That's fair. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I should uh, double space this so I can read it. Can you not read single space? Um, Not fluently. Dude, I'm so glad. On the podcast. I didn't finish college. I know it's a really weird thing to say. Yeah. But the anxiety related to just like essay papers is That's just fair. so high. I oh, God, yes. remember being in college and thinking to myself like, as soon as I graduate, I'll never have to do this again as I typed an engineering essay. And then I started doing this podcast. Yep. And you know what? I like doing these more because because no one's grading me. No one's grading you and you're doing whatever you want. And I am doing whatever I want. Yeah. And I don't have to include graphs. Like if I want to. Sometimes you do. If I want to, I can include graphs. But I don't have to. It'd be nice if we had like a leopard attack graph next to like the times of the year in relation to how much population they had for the I last can, episode. I'm just really glad I never have to write another essay about Citizen Kane. Don't you tempt me, Mel. <laughs> I made a PowerPoint presentation for this podcast. And I will do I anything. Do that. Okay. So, often, when thinking of topics for the podcast, I will look to see if there's anything interesting or topical happening that we can maybe take a deeper dive into. And last week, did I get hit with a doozy? Oh, boy. So I've been very open about being extremely political on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We can all agree that. Have you? Yes. I haven't noticed. (laughs) I've barely noticed. What? And I've never backed down on what my beliefs are. So it may shock you that I'm here to tell you why a specific Democratic candidate is legitimately a terrible fucking person. I mean, yeah. We've talked about this. Some of them are. Some of them are. But like, you know specifically what I'm doing. Yes, I do. (laughs) You probably heard her name for the first time last week. Her name is Tulsi Gabbard, and she's a representative from Hawaii who has decided to seek the Democratic nomination for president, and I hate her. (laughs) All right. So starting off strong, I feel like we 
may get some unhappy people from this podcast, and I'm kind of not sorry about it. So, but I'm when sorry are you, to you. When do you ever feel regret? I'm only sorry to you, Christina. When do you ever feel regret ever in your life? I feel regret sometimes. All right. I've looked back on things and I'm like, I was wrong about this specific thing. And then I have changed. Because I'm a good person and that's what good people fucking do. Anyway, so now if you only read like one or two headlines in the matter, you may have even been rooting for her. Like a lot of people who yelled at me on Tumblr and Twitter are. (laughs) She's the first Hindu to ever be elected to U.S. Congress and she was a supporter of Bernie Sanders in 2016. Have I ever talked about my issues with Bernie Sanders on this podcast? No. Have have? Uh-huh. Oh, oh wait, okay. you have. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. using the phrase Bernie Bros has come up. <laughs> you have <laughs> used the phrase Bernie Bros. Anyway, for those of you who may be new, I've actually known who Bernie Sanders was like my whole life. My mom used to listen to his radio show. He would be a terrible fucking president. <laughs> that's all. And Are his- you saying that he would be worse than the current president? No, that's absolutely not what I'm saying ever because there's not a whole lot of downward motion there. Yep. But um, I am saying he would not have been. He, it's just, he doesn't have. He, he doesn't have a lot of experience. It's which is it's like that's a whole other topic of discussion. I have a lot of issues with Bernie Sanders, but I've known who he was my whole life. I am very aware of who he is. So it was real fun when people in 2016 who had only known about him for a year would try and argue with me about who Bernie Sanders was, and I'm like, dude, is that what this story's about? Nope. Sorry. Anyway, so why exactly? Do I say that she's horrible? He just that just gave me chocolate. <laughs> just here you, don't tactic? reward her. Just, don't reward her. No, it's like here you go. Calm down. Here's some chocolate. You can breathe. This, this is gonna, is gonna get... become positive reinforcement. <laughs> I'm worried now. Oops. You gotta go get go get the spray bottle quick. Oh, go get the spray bottle. I have spray bottles now too for my plants. I mean. You have a cat, so I assumed you had one for that, no, too. No, no we never got one for stitches. Oh, man. No, she just gives me... You spray her, and she just looks at you from the same distance angrily. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't work. She doesn't back down. Oh, man. You have to physically... She's the alpha of the house. Yelling at her sometimes works, but you have to normally, like, physically grab her and, like, well, take her if off. If I give her the dad doing. tone, well, she sometimes, yeah. She's... I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I have a tone. Yeah, it's similar to that, yeah. I guess. Anyway. The reason she's so horrible is because she's batshit crazy and also an Islamophobe and a homophobe. She she made quite a name for herself on the right by being the only Democrat to constant consistently come on to Fox News to agree with pundits on there about how Islam is a violent religion and Obama should call the people who were conducting terrorist attacks in the Middle East violent Islamic terrorists, which Obama said he wasn't going to do because they do not represent Islam, they are just terrorists. But she was like, no, Islam is violent, so you must call them such. So yeah, that was that's Tulsi Gabbard. She's crazy. She also thinks that... Uh, someone tried to argue with me that she's, like, peaceful, but she wants to bomb the Middle East a lot. She's just not into regime changes, which sounds like a good idea. But on the other hand, she's, like, friends with Assad, who's the guy in Syria bombing his own people. I feel like part of this is... You getting back at people on Tumblr who were maybe a little bit arguing with you, maybe a little bit, and Twitter. I feel like I feel like this story is just kind of ramped up my anger as I was writing this. I feel like this story is you trying to get revenge on people who (laughs) argued with you online. I mean, a little bit. She's got a point of some form. I hope. No, I do. I absolutely do. There's a little bit more information before I get into the. Anyway, okay, which actually is relevant. Okay, just so you guys know. All right, so. 
On top of that, she recently voted to prioritize non-Muslim seekers of asylum and for many years has supported and received both verbal and financial support from the Prime Minister of India, Modi, who wants to make Indian Muslims and Christians second-class citizens and openly supports the torture of Muslim citizens. That's messed up. So, you know, great guy. Yeah. She's also a friend of Assad who enjoys chemical bombing his own people and is also a friend of, who is also a friend of Putin. So she once supported conversion therapy and she literally got into politics vehemently opposing LGBTQ rights. She has since said that she regrets those positions, but as late as 2015 was still saying that her personal stance in the matter hadn't changed. And LGBTQ activists in her home state of Hawaii refused to support her. She, on top of that, she also got into politics opposing abortion rights. And, wow. Okay. But what does that have to do with cults, cryptids, or conspiracies? You can't just use the podcast as your own personal soapbox. Did you write that in there? I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> Chelsea, you're so self-aware. I am. Oh. So, one, I totally now can. Give it's her my some podcast. More, now give her some more chocolate. <laughs> give her some more chocolate. Have a big break. No, I'm, I'm chocolated out. So, one, I totally can. It's my podcast. <laughs> it's our podcast. But don't worry, because it's also relevant. Because the core of all her beliefs stems from the fact that Tulsi Gabbard grew up in a fucking cult. Whoop. There it is. Yep. So first things first, Hare Krishna, which is the big thing I'm going to be talking about, is huge. Just like you probably know some Jehovah's Witnesses who are fine. There are people who join the movement and just have an aversion to meat and really like yoga. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like. I know a lot of people who are not a member of Hare Krishna yeah. who have an aversion to meat well, and really yeah. like yoga. So in the 1960s, there were Conspiracy. a lot. <laughs> in the 1960s, there were a lot of people who joined the movement. Most of them were white hippies who were really going ham on the counterculture thing and decided that Hinduism, but weirdly, the sect of Hinduism that is monotheistic, which is kind of odd, like... It's a huge part of Hinduism. A huge sect is, uh, I can't remember its name, but Hare Krishna is actually an offset of another sect, which is the monotheistic set of Hinduism. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. I just think it's funny that white hippies decided monotheistic Hinduism was where they were going to go. I mean, it's the one they knew. That's You fair. know, it's the, it's the religion they knew. Yeah. It's that concept. Of I just like, think that's interesting. All of, the, all of the deities are aspects of the greater Brahmin, you know? Yeah. So... That's how they were going to, quote unquote, fight the power. And even if you don't recognize the name, you've watched older movies or listened to older music, you've experienced their influence. In the 1980 comedy Airplane, they're in orange robes, uh, prosel, prosel, I can't say this name, this word, proselytizing. Can you proselytizing? Proselytizing is a word? Yes. At the airport where they were a common fixture. So throughout the 60s and 70s, there were often people with shaved heads and orange robes, handing out books and trying to get, like, money and people to join them. At the airport? At the airport. All right. Until the Supreme Court actually heard a case on it, and they were banned from airports, period. Oh, oh man. So that's why you don't see them in airports anymore. But they used to be, like, a very common fixture, which is why they were, like, part of the movie Airplane, which, if you haven't seen it, do that. I think, um, little aside, my favorite joke from that, is about having a drinking problem. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's everyone's favorite. I've heard of many different ones. Really? Another good one is um when he has like sweat rolling down his oh, forehead, yeah. but it eventually just becomes a torrent of water. Or the old woman, I speak jive. That was a very odd segment in that movie. It was. It was even odder because it was Beaver's mom, Mrs. Cleaver. 
that was that person in the, on the plane. Oh, you mean that from the, the actress. from the show Leave It to Beaver? Yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, I didn't either, but it's just fun. But the 1980s, it would have been more. Yeah. Anyway, I have nothing to add with these it's, references. You've seen Airplane? Haven't I have you? not. Oh, really? I have not seen Airplane. We'll fix that later. All right. Like you're gonna watch The Martian? Yes, I will. I will. I want it to be known to everyone in the podcast. We moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> And Chelsea said the first thing we'd watch on our television is The Martian. It's been seven months. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. And their mantra can be heard on George Harrison and John Lennon songs. So there's a lot of talk when it comes to Hare Krishna. The group was started in the 1960s as, quote unquote, peaceful. But over the decades, there have been stories of child abuse, brainwashing, and even murder. Hare Krishna itself as a cult has a 50-year history that spans many countries and many different kinds of people and is very different beast now than what it was when it started. So the child abuse thing alone, even, I talked about people going to airports. Apparently, when people would, you know, travel the country or even internationally in order to try and get people to join the movement, they would leave their children in these quote unquote schools. And it came out that the parents who would leave these children in schools, the, the, the children were being horrifically abused. Yikes. And then there was one of the quote unquote gurus who killed or was part of a plot to kill two members that he was like, I think there were ex members at the time that he felt had dishonored him. Okay. And then there was also, there's been many court cases where parents have said like their children are being brainwashed. None of those actually came to fruition though. And Hare Krishna as a religion is actually accepted as a religion, which again, over the last 50 years, it's changed dramatically. And actually what's really interesting is that a lot of Indian Americans, people who, are immigrating from India to the U.S., the churches that they're finding in order to, like, go to that they would recognize are Hare Krishna churches because they're still, like, a subsect of Hinduism. I was about to ask that. Is it considered its own individual sect or is it still considered to be part of the broader Hindu umbrella? I mean... Like, is it... Is it both of those are true. Is, I mean, they're both sort of the same thing. Yeah. Is it, is it separate from Hinduism or no. is it... It's it is still, still Hinduism. Considered a sect of Hinduism. But it is a monotheistic sect of Hinduism. Right. It, well, I mean, yeah. you can kind of argue that, like, I would argue that having the distinction between believing in them, like, believing in deities as all representations of one greater deity <laughs> versus believing them as independent beings kind of would be a reason enough to be different religions. But the they they worship Krishna, who is a member of the Hinduistic faith. Right. I didn't really... So here's the thing. Originally, when I was going to do this, I decided I was going to do it on Hare Krishna, and it was going to be a super fucking long podcast, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to Watergate this bitch and, like, separate it into parts. And then I decided, well, I really am starting this because I wanted to talk about specifically Tulsi Gabbard because she's in the news currently. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, the there's a lot of names in this that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I can't, and I am... Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, but basically the person who came over to start Hare Krishna in the 1960s died in 1977. And there were one of the things about Hare Krishna that was cultish, that was definitely cultish at the time, but is not something that's as popular anymore, was they did live on communes. But when the, the leader of the movement died... A lot of these different sects of Hare Krishna kind of broke off themselves. And these people that were, quote unquote, gurus had decided that they were now the one that were close to God. Okay. 
So so it used to be one larger thing and it is now sort of like it's not even necessarily a centralized cult. It's not it's no longer I would say reading into this uh, how it's evolved over the years, I would say Hare Krishna started as a cult and I wouldn't consider it a cult anymore necessarily. Okay. Like I was talking about it earlier as if it still was a cult like when we were talking about this over the weekend. Yeah. But the more I read about how it is today, the less I think that the iterations that are it today are really cultish because there's a lot of like, it used to be like, you don't leave the commune. If mm-hmm. you want to work, then you have to ask. And now it's like, no, no, no. Like live off the, like live on or off the commune, whatever you want to do, just live your life and be happy. And you know, as religion should be where it just emphasizes your life instead of totally controlling it, controlling it. Yeah. yeah. So that seems to be what the mainstream is now. Okay. That's wholesome. The problem is it started as a cult. Right. So there are still branches of it. I mean, like every religion started as a cult. That's true. That's absolutely true. And every religion still has branches that are cults. We've talked about many of them on this podcast. Yeah. So instead of doing a multi-part series on Hare Krishna, when what I really wanted to talk about was this specific subset in Hawaii, I decided to just talk about the specific subset in Hawaii. Fair. So... I'm here to talk to you about Tulsi Gabbard and more importantly about Chris Butler. So Chris Butler was a follower of Hare Krishna. He he's like he's like a failing up kind of dude, basically. Like tripping, tripping to success. Pretty much. Yeah, because he traveled. He went to Hawaii. He decided to start his own. I mean, for lack of a better term, cult. But he's like, no, his own like enlightenment school or whatever the fuck. But realized that people weren't really into it in the 60s, 70s. But there was this cult that people were getting into or this this enlightenment school that people were getting into, which was Hare Krishna. So he decided to take like a $20,000 loan and like join them. Okay. He met the leader, the guy who started it in New York in 1966. And the leader decided, oh, yes, you are. And gave him like a new name that I... Hang on, let me show you this because I, I thought it was a misspelling when I saw it. You're going to show it to me like I'm going to be able to pronounce no, it? No, I just want you to understand why I'm not saying it out That's loud. That's such a long name. That's his like new name. Sitawaru Panada. Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Panada. And then, and then Parama Hasma. Parama Hasma. Hamsa. Hamsa? Parama, you're right, Parama Hamsa. Sita. Siddhawara Purana Parahamsa. Uh, there's the only so time many syllables. Any of us are going to try and say that. There's so many syllables. It's not even like they're difficult syllables. It's just there's a lot there's of them at once. There's just a lot of them. So anyway, his name was Chris Butler. Is Chris Butler. He's still alive. He's in his 70s. And he decided, well, if no one's going to join my cult, I'm going to join this larger cult and just be a subset of that. He then branched out from Hawaii into Australia and New Zealand. I don't know why there, but I guess he was in. I mean, you're in the Pacific already, I guess. Like, just go island hopping with it, maybe. I don't know. Before the leader died in the 19th, I think in 77, they were already like clashing. And Butler, as like, as soon as he died, was like, I'm doing my own thing. And his own thing was fucking horrifying. So a lot of what I found was actually people talking about their own experiences after they left. Okay. Which I think is great. I like. I like stuff like that when I'm researching cults. I want to know, you know, how people felt. When people left, they said that, first of all, Chris Butler, like many cultists cultists that we've covered on this podcast, was very much like, I am the one true voice of God. Mm -hmm. 
you may only reach heaven through me. I am the only voice who needs to be heard. Take your children out of school. But what was also horrifying is that he started his own school in the Philippines. Uh, one of the people whose blogs I found who was telling about her life growing up in this was that the reason he set it up in the Philippines was because it was not under United States or Australian rule. Because, again, his biggest sects were in Hawaii and Australia. Mm-hmm. So he would tell parents to send their children there. And the stories that this girl luckily was never sent. Okay. She says, I'm very lucky in that I never, my parents never sent me to the school in the Philippines. But the stories that she had heard were horrific. There were stories of children being starved, the stories of children being like a lot psychologically abused. One of the stories she tells is that her mother still tried to get them to go to school, even though Chris Butler like forbade children from going to public school. And her sister ended up getting panic-induced epilepsy. So anytime her mom would try and bring them to school, she would go into an epileptic fit. Oh, dang. Because she was so terrified of disobeying the leader. That or she just really did not want to go to school. <laughs> like, I feel that on a spiritual level, but also most likely panic attacks, too. Panic attacks. And then the woman who is writing this, Lolita, says that she got sleep paralysis from... Started having sleep paralysis. Started having sleep paralysis, and she would have nightmares of basically disobeying Chris Butler. There was videos that they had to watch that was all about, that was him talking to them. And he had a large, he had quite a large following. Thousands of people. They, they, there's no, like, specific number. There's some people that are like, there are thousands, and then some that say that it's hundreds. But it doesn't really matter how many people are in it because there are people being abused, and that's it period that's all that matters is that there are people being abused and that's horrific doesn't matter how many people are involved but the truly horrific thing in regards to this subject is that chris butler then decided that he wanted to have more power so in the 1970s he started his his followers were denied that he had any kind of say in this but he is the one that has been proven to be behind it this political group basically that was trying to get people into office Okay. And in the 70s, it totally failed. They revamped with the Gabbard family because Tulsi Gabbard decided to run for office on a state level in 2000. In 2000. <clears throat> and she won. And then she ran for the U.S. House of Representatives in 2012. And it was really weird because she won in the primary. And people were saying how, like, the guy who she was running against was a really popular former mayor of Honolulu. And they were shocked that she won by, like, 20 points. But she had gotten all these people out to, like, post flyers and people who she voted. She motivated her base. She motivated her base. And people in that time would say that they don't remember what the issues were mm-hmm. that they voted on. They just remember voting for her specifically because of how charismatic she is. Okay. She is a very charismatic individual. And her father, who made a name for himself starting an anti-gay movement, he was one of the people that... On, was one of the actors on Dawson's Creek that said they were gay in 1998. He organized a group to travel from Hawaii to North Carolina where they were filming to protest outside of the studio. Oh, right. That's a bit extreme. Yeah. So, and Tulsi Gabbard even would vote against things when she was a state legislator saying that, oh, we can't vote for this because, like, it's just the radical homosexuals trying to get us to conform to their will and 
marriage is only between a man and a woman, blah, blah, blah. Like one of the statutes of Hare Krishna being a cult in the 1960s and 70s was that you were only allowed to have sex in order to procreate and that was it. And you had to like ask permission. It's from Butler? Not but no, this is just Hare Krishna. Oh, in general. That, that was one of the things that I think did carry on to Butler's cult. Okay. But in all the stuff that I read from people who'd left it, there wasn't any sex stuff mentioned. All right. So it sounds like it was mostly physical and emotional abuse, but not sexual. I mean, still not great. Still not great. Yeah. So so he started this group, and Tulsi still says that he is a great friend, but she refuses to say that he is, like, an influence on her life, even though he obviously is she was literally born and raised in this cult her parents were part of it before she was even born there's a lot of videos of them you know laughing along with chris and uh, there's a lot of videos of them in like talks with him and helping him out and so tulsi has been basically groomed for this since a young age which is really creepy and she's a victim i like from reading this like i was really pissed at her but she kind of seems like a victim too which is makes me sad. Okay. Tulsi insists that she has nothing to do with the cult, blah, blah, blah. So here's, I was telling you, there's there's one thing that I have to say like verbatim. So there's a New Yorker article that I got a lot of this information from. And it's awesome. And I recommend you guys read it. And it's from a couple years ago, but it's extremely relevant. So in Gabbard, Butler's movement finally seems to have produced a widely appealing politician with a national profile. And there are links between Gabbard's political operation and those of IGG, which is, there's like five different names for this group because they keep changing their name because Hawaii is like, fuck you, get out. And so, so they you, just change their name. Can you briefly talk about what the group actually believes or does? I can't really find anything on that. I okay. just found a lot of stuff about the abuse that they, because I think what it was is all of these started out with, it was a subsect of the Hare Krishna movement. So I think the assumption is that there she's said to be the first Hindu representative right so she says she's hindu but she grew up in this cult that was a subsect of Hare krishna that was kind of an offset of it that didn't really believe in it anymore so like as far as i can tell they were Hare krishnas but then they just became worshiping of chris butler okay so i'm honestly not 100 percent sure what exactly it is they believe in okay i i tried i have no idea the the farthest i got was literally just a rerouting back to Hare krishna okay so I don't know. Gabbard was running for the state legislator. Butler apparently told her to just tell people she was Hindu. Because that was because that was easier. OK. Yeah. In 2015, Gabbard hired Bill Paranoza's son. And Bill Paranoza is another follower of Chris Butler and, to be her chief of staff, even though he had virtually no political experience. Gabbard, like her predecessors, firmly rejects the idea that she is part of a political initiative tied to her spiritual leader. It's a whole lot of conjunction conjuncture, she told me. She's offered a hypothetical comparison. Senator Brian Schultz from Hawaii, he's Jewish, she said. His chief of staff is Jewish, so there must be some great plan of the Jewish community in Hawaii to advance this Jewish leader and those around him. Like, this was, this was her rebuttal to that. Right. The difference is that the world of Butler's disciples is relatively small and dizzyingly interlinked. Reed is another follower of Butler, made a Christmas video in the Philippines. So Reed was another person who was trying to run for state legislator in Hawaii that was defeated. He made a Christmas video in the Philippines that was like 
he ended up going to court over it because the court wasn't sure if it was a violation of, a, of election fraud or not. What? And then they eventually decided it wasn't because he had gotten like $90,000 a loan in order to make it. And it was part of his election campaign. I see. So he was yeah. taking, it was like taking foreign donations for your campaign, yeah. which is which is illegal in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. They eventually decided that it wasn't because I guess the money wasn't didn't come from a foreign government or a foreign national, but it was filmed internationally. So it was still kind of iffy. OK, but like was determined by the law that it was fine. So he didn't go to jail, but he also didn't win. So it begins with a visit to Toby Tomeo, a longtime employee of the group who helped run a Butler affiliated school there. Again, one of those schools that I talked about in the Philippines. Tameo happens to be the uncle of Gabbard's first husband, Eddie Tameo, whom she married in 2002 and divorced four years later. Partly, she says, because of the stress of serving overseas. She she did serve in the army. Okay. Both of Gabbard's parents were in Rick Reed's office. Uh, Rick Reed is the one that was running for election and lost. And the loan Reed received to make that Christmas video came from Richard Bellard, whose son, Rupa Bellard, recently married Gabbard's sister and roommate, Vrindavan. Richard Bellard himself used to be married to Way Lena, the yoga instructor who is now Chris Butler's wife. Abraham Williams, Gabbard's current husband, has helped film her videos. Williams's mother, Anya Anthony, is Gabbard's office manager in Washington. Way Lena's company is run by a longtime Butler associate named Sunul Kamensi, or Kamenni, who is also a business associate of Joseph Bismarck. Kameni helps run Gabbard's outreach in the Indian American community. He accompanied her on her 2014 trip to India. And one person familiar with Gabbard's operation describes an office divided between disciples and non-disciples. Everyone wondered who was in the group and who wasn't. It was taboo. People in the group didn't talk about it, so no one knew for sure. I didn't know how to summarize that paragraph. But there basically, are so like, many names you just said. Yes. So to sum that all up, basically, is that most of Gabbard's cabinet in Congress is made up of people who have been at some point employed by Chris Butler. Okay. Who are all part of this cult. Or have or were at some point that we could prove. Yes. Part of this cult. Yes. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know how to summarize it. I'm just going to attempt to power through it. So okay, I did. Because it was real confusing. Yes. But the sum of it is that all the like she's saying like, oh, well, Brian Schultz, who's a senator, his Chief of, or what did it say? His chief of staff? Yeah, his chief of staff is Jewish. So I guess there's some big Jewish conspiracy. It's like, well, but a lot of people are Jewish. There's only like a handful of people who are in this cult and they all seem to be employed by you. That is that is a <laughs> little bit suspicious. Yes. Yeah, a little bit suspicious. And now it's alarming because she is now running for president. Um, and people are like, is Chris Butler still telling you what to do? Because it certainly seems like he is since all the people that are in your office are also followers of him. And she's like, no, he has nothing to do with what I do. And in fact, we differ on lots of things. And it's like, really? Because Chris Butler was also vehemently anti-gay marriage and anti-women. That was another thing that women are weak because okay. of course it is. Do you know? Do you know more about like what he's, what his stances are? No, these are his stances. Like, That's women, it. Well, those are the ones that I could get. He doesn't. Okay. He puts out a lot of videos on YouTube that I didn't watch. Okay. But from the people who left the cult, they're saying that like he doesn't necessarily talk to outsiders. And the people that were even like doing these pieces that would call him, they were saying like he didn't really say much of substance. He would mostly like ask rhetorical questions. Okay. 
like trying to get the reporters to like, answer questions for him. I'm not really sure. He's again a cult leader, so he's very charismatic. Is he though? He's charismatic enough. Okay, I, I guess. guess. I mean, it's hard because again, this is a very small subsect of a larger movement, and actually finding information was finding information on Chris Butler himself was kind of hard because a lot of the information I found was mostly about. It came out after Tulsi won her election in 2012. Okay. So a lot of it is in conjunction with her, which means that I don't get a lot of past stuff. I get a lot of like how it involves her life. So his, it, it's mostly all linked into Tulsi. Yeah. So the couple things that I was able to get were stories from ex-members saying this is the abuse that we suffered. Okay. What was really interesting is as I was looking, I went deep into Google you know, deep, you're deep into Google when you're on the third fucking page. <laughs> is that deep nowadays? I think it is. Is yeah. that the, the the depths that we're plumbing these days? Is the third page of Google? So I got to a Reddit thread and I was just like clicking on it because I'm like, sure, Reddit, whatever. Um, I wasn't even going to keep it up, but then I decided to glance at the comments. So this Reddit thread is literally someone in the Hawaii subreddit asks, what's up with cult leader Chris Butler? And this is from a year ago. I met some people in Poland. And people in it were mostly just normal people, attorney, teacher, cook, etc. And most of all of them were, well, very healthy due to their healthy cultish lifestyle. I learned that their leader, a guy from Hawaii, Chris Butler, made an association there in Poland in the 90s after communists failed, probably because people back in the day were fascinated in Western culture. So it was easier to persuade people to his cult, although I heard it's popular all over Europe, like England, Czech, etc., on the internet, weirdly enough, I couldn't find too much genuine information, which is exactly what I ran into. And YouTube is flooded with videos and weird comments criticizing him and fake video descriptions like Chris Butler manipulation revealed. And upon reviewing the video, there's nothing special revealed, just some lectures from him. I saw this cult in I saw in this cult in Poland some videos about his lectures where he's very old. And on the Internet, I haven't found a single photo of him in his old age, which is weird. Although some time ago it was loud about him since a politician, Tulsi Gabbard, was in his cult. The guy really reminds me of Ted Bundy. He looks like his brother that went to a diff- in a different path. The way he speaks is also kind of similar. Anyone know why he disappeared from the public and what are his ulterior motives? And someone posted the New Yorker article, which, I again, it's really long, but it's really good. And the first half of it is just about Tulsi Gabbard's, like, success. And then all of a sudden it goes into, by the way, here's the cult. Okay. Um, so it's like, hey, thanks for bringing this article to my attention. And, like, a lot of people talking about it. And then this person comes in. It says, as a Hindu myself, I agree with the Hindu American Foundation, the largest Hindu American organization, that the New Yorker article is Hindu phobic. Here's what they said in a blog post titled, When the New Yorker Otherized Tulsi Gabbard's Faith of that article. And they post some stuff from it. And I was kind of reading it like, okay, I'm interested in what, you know, a, a Hindu organization has to say about this. And some people are like, well, I disagree. And, and I was disagreeing too, because it's like, I read the New Yorker article. They said nothing of Hinduism. In fact, they were kind of saying that like, she was just saying she was Hindu to get herself into Congress so that that was more palatable than what she actually is, is just a member of this weird cult that kind of perverted Hinduism for its own purpose. Okay. And this person was arguing, saying like, no, you're being Hindu phobic, blah, blah. And then I'm reading down this thread and the person who went, who said like, you're being Hindu phobic, like she's Hindu, like don't do anything about her. turns out is one of, Chris Butler's followers. 
How did how did that come out? Someone went through their Reddit history and figured it out. Okay. Did they, they just said on Reddit that they were a part of this group? Yeah. And they event, they admitted they were like, well, yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do with why I'm here and saying that you're being Hindu phobic. And it's like someone's like, um, yes, it does. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> that you're biased in this case. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, you you said you came on here saying that you were like an unbiased party who was just Hindu who wants to like say that you know this is what hindus are saying but really you're also part of the cult so that's kind of like you're you're misrepresenting yourself what the hell so that's why i kept it up because i was like that's fucking wild this like tiny little reddit thread that is just like one of chris butler's cultists found it and was like vehemently defending until someone went in and was like hey i went through your reddit history and you do this a lot (laughs) do you know what the group is called now like what their current name is yes i feel like some background information on Hare Krishna would have been good for context for this. But it would have, I, I would have gotten in too deep is the problem. Okay. It was just, there's so much on them. I gave as much information as right. I Right, it just feels relevant. like this is really sparse. Yeah, it's just like, like, but again, I don't know what their specific beliefs are outside of Hare Krishna, which is basically like, animals are from God, so they're all vegan. Right. Believe that you are... A lot of it's food-based, weirdly. Like, you're not supposed to eat at restaurants because part of food is, like, the emotions of the cook who's making it. And if, like, you're angry while you're making food, then that anger transmits to the food. And then whoever eats that food is also angry now. Have you noticed that a lot of cults, like, hyperfixate on what you are and are not allowed to eat? Yeah. It's like, like a outside weird... of sex, that food is the second thing. Yeah. It's like there's, there's like, always a weird diet for some reason. Yeah. And... Well, veganism isn't weird, but that part i feel is like no, you're but not like allowed the, to eat at restaurants because every every cult has like a weird hyper fixation on like <laughs> the specific kinds of food or the way that food is supposed to be prepared and i like there was a i was listening to an interview that someone was talking about eating disorders and there there are the common eating disorders that people like know about and people practice like the binging and purging eating disorders and various things like that but hyper fixating on what you were eating and why is a form of eating disorder that's true yeah like being being unable to eat certain things because of like the anxiety that it surrounds food for you Mm -hmm. is an eating disorder yeah and it's like why do so many cults do that i think because if you because food is like food and water are literally how you survive because they also control sleep because that's another thing is like if you had done something that Chris Butler was upset about, you couldn't sleep. Right. So they control everything that makes you a functional human being, basically. So it, it's, it's basically instead of like, instead of having like give, making, giving you an opportunity to think about what you're doing in this cult, they make you think instead about all of these, uh, these smaller things that you otherwise weren't as intently focused on. Yeah. Like what you are eating or who you're attracted to or how much you're sleeping, I guess. Yeah. So the cult is specifically called the Science of Identity Foundation. The reason I didn't have that up readily is because I tried Googling that. I tried finding Wikipedia articles on it. I couldn't find anything. Everything just would redirect back to their specific website. And I wasn't going to use that in my research because obviously it's biased. Mm. I couldn't find any non-biased sources. And I feel like people might come and say like, ex-members aren't non-biased sources but i feel like first person because a lot of people are now saying oh they're ex-members they're like really vengeful you can't take their word for it 
Well, I, I would argue that using what they, how they describe themselves as like a, this is what they say they are. Yeah. Like you can present that even, even though obviously there's a biased source, you can still present that and be like, this is how they're presenting themselves. And sometimes I do that where I, I, like last week I went to their website. Mm-hmm. I went to the, the website for the guy that I was talking about. Right. But I didn't go to the Science of Identity Foundation's website. And it's because I felt like clicking on it would give them some sort of monetary validation because okay. of the way they're presenting themselves currently where like they're getting they're trying to get Tulsi into the national on, on the national level. Like her father is a prominent member in the state legislator. They're trying to get more people into politics. Like I didn't want to click on it mm-hmm. and give them more clicks, I guess. Okay. Like it just in my mind, I couldn't justify clicking on it. Whereas last week, Steel, I'm like, yeah, I can click on this. And who fucking cares? Okay. <laughs> um, but I couldn't justify clicking on their website this week. And maybe that's weird and like anxiety filled of me. I don't know. Someone out there validate me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm not crazy for just not wanting to click on their website. Anyway, so yeah, his, this person says that his philosophy is a mishmash of Buddhism. Vishnava Hinduism, which is the monotheistic Hinduism, which is what Hare Krishna is a subset of, and Christianity. So literally, like, I don't know what his specific beliefs are. He joined Hare Krishna only because that was the quickest way for him to get more followers, not necessarily because he believed in it. So he was just using it as a vehicle to get people to follow him. Yeah. So pinpointing what Chris Butler's specific beliefs are is very difficult. Because first of all, there's not a whole lot of information. Maybe now that Tulsi has decided she's going to run for president, there might be more profiles on him since he is the biggest figure in her life. But I don't know. But she's currently saying that she's no longer a part of the cult, right? She is currently saying she's no longer a part of the cult. But like everyone around her is connected to it. And she still considers Chris Butler a quote unquote good friend. Okay. So she hasn't completely distanced herself from him. Yes. And but she has like will come out and say like, oh, we disagree on some things, but she won't like say exactly what they are. There's no mention of homosexuality or abortion or anything on their website anymore, probably because it would it would hurt the, her chances and other people that they're especially trying to get into politics. Especially if she's running as a Democrat. Yeah. So that's the other thing. She's running as a Democrat and she's been voting on party lines in the past couple of years, mostly, but still like deviates. And like she was meeting with Trump and there was some things where she was going to be a part of his cabinet and some Democrats were like, what? (laughs) And she's trying to tout it as, no, I'm trying to talk across the aisle. But people are like, but it's Trump. And then like David Duke, who is the former Grand Wizard of the KKK and Richard Spencer, who is the current father of the neo-Nazi movement, have both said that they love her. I mean, she's obviously come out and said that she doesn't want their support. Right. But it's like, okay, but if these are the people that are supporting you, what does that say about you? Apparently, Steve Bannon also adores her, like, is the reason she had a meeting with Trump in the first place. Okay. Yeah. So there's a little concerning. Yeah. yeah, So there's all these people that she's like, well, I don't want their support. But at the same time, it's like, but why are you getting their support? Yeah. So but that's where it gets really confusing, because obviously all these members, they come from a very conservative background, but they've decided to switch to Democrat. And I think it's mostly because they're based in Hawaii and you can't get anywhere as a Republican in Hawaii. So they just decided to run as Democrats. That seems to be kind of the consensus of everything I've read is basically like not necessarily they are Democrats. It's that that was the only way they were going to get elected into office in Hawaii because her father, who again 
was the head of this huge anti-gay movement in Hawaii in the 90s, is now a state legislator and runs as a Democrat. Interesting. Yeah. So it's just very odd. I mean, people definitely can change. There's people who've realized the error of their ways over time. But you were saying earlier that like as recently as three years ago, she was still like... She was voting on party lines, but she was saying that personally her views hadn't changed. Right. Which is a little concerning. Yeah. And now she's saying, no, my views have totally changed, which I'm like... Has she talked on that? Like, why? No. She's okay. just said that she's changed. Because that's something that I feel like I would talk about why. Yeah. Like, if I if I had a radical change in outlook about something, that I would be upfront as to what had occurred to make me change my mind. Uh, she decided she wanted to run for president. That's fair. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's why. I guess that's fair. <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why she's changed her view. Well, all right. So, yeah. Um... I don't think there's, well, I mean, there's not really a whole lot else. Again, I wish I had more information to give you. I'm sorry that this segment was a little bit more, like, spacey than they than I tried to be at least in the last year. Because I feel like when we first started out, I was like that a lot. Because I was still trying to figure out. Because you refused to write things down. Well, and I was still trying to figure out what the fuck this podcast was and what I was trying <laughs> to do. Um, and I feel like I've kind of reverted back to that. But that's because it's just. Also, I started writing something on Hare Krishna and then had to fucking delete it all because I'm like, wait, there is actually a legit cult that I need to talk about here in Hawaii. So that's the other reason is like, oh, fuck, I have to delete all this shit that I did and redo it. I hope you didn't completely delete it. (laughs) Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, good. No, no, no. So I'm like, no, save it for another time. No, I will do Hare Krishna like itself another time. But I just feel like now yeah. wasn't the time to do it. I felt like I really just wanted to dive deep and really kind of talk to you about this specific cult. Because, again, I don't have a lot of information, but I feel like our gathered kind of, what, 87, 88 episodes of us doing this podcast that maybe we can like discuss it more. Yeah. And it how and it just like terrifies me. It terrifies me because... Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, you're overreacting. But after 2016, I overreact to fucking everything now because we all were like, Trump's never going to get the nomination. He'll never win. And now look where we are. It's what becomes terrifying is when there's all of those conspiracy theories, obviously, part of why we have this podcast. There's these conspiracy theories about these people behind the curtain who are manipulating events and are doing things in order to get an outcome that's not necessarily uh, op- like transparent. Yeah, it's an opaque pulling of the strings from from like I said behind this curtain. Like there was this whole thing with like the Russian social media websites. Yeah, that were disseminating a lot of like very subtle propaganda. Essentially, they were disseminating a lot of very subtle manipulation on people in America. And that sounds like something that one hundred percent would be the plot of like a Jason Bourne film. Yeah, and it's something that it's like it's not just because I I don't know like at what point a conspiracy is not a conspiracy because people are still saying like the Russian conspiracy. I'm like, I mean, is it still a conspiracy? Because like we've had a conspiracy (laughs) is anything that you like any plan of action that you are attempting to keep secret, even if it's true. Okay, it's still a conspiracy because I feel like conspiracies are things that you can't prove. Well, no, because you can say someone is conspiring to do something. That's true. And that's just you're planning to do something that you don't want people to know. Then I feel like the problem then is the the connotation around the word conspiracy instead of the denotation. Yes. Because then when you bring up something as a conspiracy, you automatically people will shut off because they're like, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. When it's like you're trying to bring like 
when you're trying to bring up like, oh, Russia interfered with the 2016 election, people will be like, well, that's a conspiracy. You shouldn't believe that. And it's like, but we have investigations happening right now because of it. Like, I mean, we definitely have proof that some of that stuff was real. Yeah. Whether or not they colluded directly with the current administration is still being investigated. But they definitely 100 percent. We have proof. Yeah. Did stuff to manipulate American voters. Right. That's a thing. So after that happened, kind of like you saying. So there's this cult in Hawaii who is trying to get its way into the like American highest governmental office by infiltrating various congressional seats with its members. That doesn't sound weird anymore. Yeah, I mean, it it's doesn't. weird, but it doesn't sound implausible anymore. It doesn't. That's that's another thing that's like, I feel like if I had done, if we had started this podcast in like 2014 mm-hmm. and I had talked about this in 2014, because she was, she was a representative at the time, but I would have been like, right. I would have been like, this is crazy. Like, she's a fine lady or whatever. But now it's like I have, like, PTSD from 2016. That's the only way I can describe it. And I realize PTSD is, is a really serious condition. Uh, but I don't have any other way to describe it, honestly. It's just I have I have some extreme anxiety reminiscent of November 9th, 2016. And I can't get it out of my head that something is going on. And I feel like we need to talk about it more so that something horrible doesn't happen again. Is that, would you say that would be the takeaway from this? I guess so, yeah. I think that would be the takeaway. We need to look into, we need to look into everybody's possible cult connections. Here's the thing, here's, I got into that argument you saw on Tumblr when I was just trying to be like, guys, this woman's crazy. And then this person came back with like, telling me I was a Republican and a racist. Did you see that? I I mal-reblogged it. So I saw it. I didn't read it because I got like, I got the gist of from looking at it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, you're not getting into my happy space here. That's fine. Tumblr is my happy space for memes and D&D videos. We had a whole conversation on Saturday about how Twitter is now my happy space and Tumblr is like my anxiety filled space. Right. So that's why I don't go on Tumblr anymore. Because you go on Tumblr to fight. I do. I go on Tumblr to fight. I defended you. You go on Tumblr is like you stumbling into a back alley holding a knife. You're ready. You're like, anyone want to go? Meanwhile, I'm inside the restaurant watching you being like, why is this happening? I'm just having waffles. What's happening? I even said in the post, like, why am I even responding to this person? Well, one, I am fighty. You just want to (laughs) fight. I just want to fight. And I have poor impulse control. Yeah. (laughs) I I just look for... Videos of cats. It's so peaceful. I'm just looking at like I I'm on the internet for like this lovely art and like yeah. and like Some oh here's meme. a heartwarming video of like a dog and a rabbit who are friends and oh this is funny and every now and then there's some political discourse but like <laughs> that's what my real life is for yeah but anyway even on that I eventually reblogged it and was like look this person's stupid beyond comprehension. My favorite quote that I tell people, it's like, I can't play chess with someone who keeps eating the pieces and saying they're winning. <laughs> okay. That's, I mean, it works. Yeah. It's a good, it's a very visual, uh, vivid metaphor is what yeah, I mean to say. You. Yeah. Mao is imagining it. Mao is imagining it. It also works for checkers. I feel like it makes more sense. Well, it makes sense for either of them, but it's either one where it's like, there's less pieces on the board. Well, yeah, because you're eating them. <laughs> You're not actually playing the game. So the takeaway is, considering everything that's happened in the past recently. Well, sorry, I was I was getting to oh, okay. get a point. Sorry, um, I was trying to like no, re-summarize. No, yeah, sorry, but 
what I was basically saying on that at the end was like, look, you've got to look into every single candidate, no matter what. You are never going to find one that 100% aligns with your beliefs. There's always going to be like a couple of things that you're like, mm, I don't like this, but you have to find the candidate that's closest and then support them and then support like, yes, the lesser of two evils. But the thing is, like, you can sway people to like, like you can sway Democrats to be more liberal. And we have done that. You can't sway someone who wants to just commit genocide on Muslims to not do that. <laughs> so, like, there's there's disagreeing on things like, hmm, I wish your health care plan was more comprehensive. And then there's disagreeing on, like, I don't think we should commit genocide just because they believe in Islam. Is that the takeaway of That's this story? takeaway of life. Okay. But the takeaway of this story is just look into everything and I guess question everything, which is kind of the takeaway of this podcast. Yeah. No, like I was saying, I think that definitely considering events that have been proven to like, no, that happened recently. Yeah. Not None of it is as crazy as you think. No. It's I'm, more plausible than you think. Considering they go on to random Reddit posts, I'm fully expecting us to get a couple of questionable emails. And I apologize, Christina. Do you? I mean, I apologize only to you. Oh, goody. All right. Well, have fun with that. All right. I'll try not to respond. This has been a time and a half. Do you want to do you want to make Mal and me do scenes from a hat? Would that be better? Sure. I'm like you and Mal do scenes from a hat to do the Patreon ad. Sure. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> this scene is you're getting married. Okay. What? <laughs> These are our vows. These are your vows. Oh, snap. So, okay. So who gives our vows first? I'm going to say Christina I mean, goes listen, first. I'm, I'm I'm aggressive and assertive in this relationship, <laughs> so I'll, I'm Okay. Gonna... Mal. Uh, Yes. You know, on this, the day of our wedding, for some reason, <laughs> your girlfriend said that this scene is us being married. So yep. here we go. I'm committing to it. Go for now, it. Now, on this most joyous of days, I just want, in front of God and our families, I just want to say to you that you're the most wow. important thing in my life other than patreon.com <laughs> slash cults, cryptids, conspiracy, and nothing but your smile. And that winning content that you can get for as low as $1 a month has brought me as much joy in my life. This is the scene, Mal. This I is know, the scene. I know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold. You know, I love you so much. And also in my vows, I also want you to know the importance of our Patreon page, Cult, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, where nope. for- Nope. No and. There's no and. It's, it's no Cult, Cryptids, Conspiracies. But quick, keep going. Keep These going. are my vows. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Where for as little as $1, you can get so many different things that can bring love and joy to your hearts, just like we share. Just like our loving just relationship. Just like our loving like relationship. Like the bibliography, Mal. And like the bits that I can give everybody. Yes. Like Parlo of the Paranormal. Yes, that awesome, awesome podcast that we have on the side. Full that, of love. That I'm arbitrarily deciding was the reason that we're apparently getting married. It's the 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 turning point of our relationship. <laughs> yes. For we, some reason. We threw Chelsea outside. What? <laughs> <laughs> I object to this wedding. You gave us the prompt. <laughs> okay, I give Christina an Oscar and Mal nothing. It's okay. Aww. That's fair. Christina brought it home. You're a Lisa nominee. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you brought it home. Like you really I, brought this listen, wedding to a close. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, yeah. If Chelsea and I ever do get married, like, can you like officiate it? Yeah. Yeah. Th yeah. She is. Right. We've discussed this. Yeah. Banana bread. Banana bread. Banana bread. bread. Okay. 
Now that we okay, banana guys, let's just let's shake do it our out. Mantra. Everyone, hold on, everyone, shake just it out. Raise your arms. We have our Mal, own. Mal, also do it. Thank you. We have we have our own <laughs> so mantra. It's banana bread. Banana bread. Banana bread. Just breathe in and breathe out banana bread. Banana bread. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for shaking We're your arms. Kill that joke. Into the ground. We're gonna no, we're gonna no. drive it into the complete dirt. We breathe life into it every time. I refuse to let it die. Okay. <laughs> so I have a very different tone. I really hope so for the remainder of this podcast. I'm bringing it home on a very different, though slightly sad tone. Are we like totally in Bummersville? No. Or like, by the way, was that Bummersville or was that just like? Do I am I the mayor of like the town that's right next to Bummersville? That's like not like. It's not really a town. It's like a commune of people who are just like in tin hats. So the whistle how I imagine it. <laughs> Bummersville is basically in the middle of a barren wasteland surrounded by cryptids. It's kind of like Nightville, but okay. Nightville, but everything sucks. Uh, and you live in like a not necessarily a small trailer, like a respectable trailer outside of Bummersville. Thank you for giving me a respectable trailer. It's a respectable trailer. trailer. Like it's got some good amenities. Yeah. It's got a built-in washer dryer. Oh, cool. That's outside important. of yeah, outside of Bummersville, and every now and then you just go in front of your trailer and you start shouting, <laughs> and people yeah, arrive. That's... People arrive with chairs and they hang out and they 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 join you. That's for like that. the natural degradation of me. Yeah, eventually I will just be outside a trailer shouting about my opinions. There you go. We could we could get a soapbox klaxon because we're gonna need it often. I don't know what a soapbox klaxon would sound like. It's just the slowly swelling. Like American uh, national anthem <laughs> in the background. It's just, or what's that? It's like, dun, 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 dun. I don't you know. Added some notes to that. Probably. Listen, I never said I was a musician. I did say I had a story. So yes. this story is recommended by Claire S. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. We're talking to you today, Chelsea, Malachi. Ever, have either of you heard of Gloria Ramirez? Yeah. You have? Yeah. What have you heard about Gloria Ramirez? She's a fine lady. <laughs> I here's the problem with me. You've heard her name, but I you don't hear know how. A lot of names, okay. But I hear so many names that the information about those names gets lost in my brain. That's fair. Look, I meet hundreds of customers every day. All right, like, come on. You probably I have not I've, met Gloria Ramirez. <laughs> I know I've heard the name Gloria Ramirez, but I don't remember why. Well, she was born on January 11th, 1963. Okay, so a belated happy birthday to Gloria. And she died on February 19th, 1994 at the age of 31. Okay, I was just about to ask if she's still alive. So no. no. She died quite a while ago. Okay. She had a short life, and in the later years, it was no doubt a difficult one. And unfortunately, this story is not about Gloria's life. It is about the events surrounding her death. Oh, okay. So that's what's a little... I feel like it's probably why I've heard that name. Probably. Yeah. Probably. This story begins on February 19th, and the events of this day are still disputed even now. Well, that's why we're talking about them. That is why we're talking about it. Let us begin. On February 19th in Riverside, California, Gloria Ramirez was brought into the ER of the Riverside General Hospital. It was 8.15 in the evening. She was suffering from tachycardia, which is a heart beating abnormally fast, mm -hmm. severely low blood pressure, and abnormal breathing pattern. Those things together are not good. Those things together are bad. Yes. Yes. Which is why she was at the, the hospital. hospital. These were said to be complications of her cervical cancer, which was pretty advanced. 
which is also oh. bad. Oh, you know what? I think I've heard her name because I think there was a whole thing about how it's like women are not believed about their ailments. Is that am I going in the right direction with this? I is that why I've heard her name? I mean, like, n- I'm gonna say no. Okay, okay. I'm gonna say no. That's fair. That's probably mixed in there somewhere, but there's a lot going on here that goes spiraling into a very weird direction. Again, I've heard the name. I don't remember. I why. don't doubt you have. So. Gloria was also supposedly very confused but responsive and had to be sedated in order to get her to calm down and also to treat all of the bad stuff that was happening to her. All of that bullshit. All that stuff with like the heart and the breathing and all that. The hospital staff at the scene was a nurse named Susan Kane, a respiratory therapist, Maureen Welch, a resident, uh, like resident doctor Right, yeah. I don't know why they don't call them doctors because they do have medical degrees. They're just like, the resident on call, you know what I'm saying? But aren't residents like they aren't, they haven't been there as long? Like residents are they're like. They're not, they're like, they're like the new doctors, yeah. but they have finished med school. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's a whole, residency is a weird thing for me. It is so, weird. You have no idea how often I have to stop myself from singing out loud sometimes during the recordings. What, what was the song? Because you said doctor and I was like, doctor, doctor. Give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. That's Thank you. not where I was going with that, Where though. were you going with it? Okay, okay. It's, doctor, doctor, can't you see I'm yearning, burning? I don't oh, know that song doctor, either. Doctor. What is that song? It was from the 80s. It was a synth song. All right. Well, me and Chelsea clearly knew very different songs from you. I wanted to. That's fine. <laughs> I liked that, too. <laughs> when I, when I, when we both said the hospital at the same time, I wanted to, like, make our, make it known to our listeners that. When we say things at the same time, Mal doesn't like do that in post. We just do that. No, that just happens. That we just, just happens. we just I, speak I, in. I rarely ever move things in post. Yeah, we sometimes we just speak in sync. We doesn't? Just, yeah. Well, you know what? So as there was a resident, Julie Gorzinski, and then there was Doctor Humberto Orcha Orchoa. Is he Ochoa? the best name in this story? Yes. Awesome. Humberto Ochoa. Yeah, Ochoa. Okay, Doctor Ochoa. They initially tried uh, to use chemical means to get her heart back on track, but when it didn't work, they tried defibrillating her. Mm-hmm. This is a small side note for me personally. Right. I, I like, yep. to, yeah, because you know, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about defibrillators. Yep. Okay. Here we go. In movies, they. What do you think I'm going to start saying? Oh, I know that you're going to say like in movies that they're portrayed this way, but that's not actually what they're used for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know exactly where, where you're going. In movies, they always use them to kickstart a stopped heart, but that's not what they are used for. Defibrillators are meant to interrupt an abnormal heart rhythm in the hopes of getting it back to normal. If your heart stopped completely, they would use adrenaline on you. Uh, this information is from my friend Harper, who was a medic in the military and liked to shout at medical TV shows. So if it is wrong, <laughs> please blame him. No, that's, yeah, that's, I've heard that many, many times. Yes, Mal. The song I was thinking of was by the Thompson Twins in 1984. Okay. What? Okay. That's all I I know got. the Thompson Twins. Why yeah. don't I know that? All right. Maybe if we heard it. Maybe if we heard it. We don't need to hear it right now. N- later. We will we'll have will a moment. quickly get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so while the I medical. I that's exactly what you were doing. While the medical team was trying to treat Gloria, they noticed what was described as a, quote, oily sheen covering her body. Hmm. I'd assume sweat, but apparently it wasn't. Hospital staff also said she smelled sort of sweet and also garlicky. You know how like garlic is kind of weirdly fruity? Yeah. That They smelled that coming from her. Specifically, uh, the scent seemed to be coming from Gloria's mouth. 
Susan Kane drew blood from Gloria, but she noted that the blood smelled like ammonia. I have definitely heard this story before. I've heard of this before. Yeah, I'm seeing you guys being like, why do I know this? Yeah. I've heard of these symptoms from house. All of these weird smells were probably super freaking her out. So Susan turns the doctor on hand, Julia Gorzinski, and is like, are you smelling that? And so Dr. Julie, I'm going to call her doctor because she went to medical school, Yeah, took the syringe, probably to smell it, and noticed that there were small tan particles floating around in Gloria's blood. That's not supposed to be there. And she's like, whoa, that's bad. That is bad. That's not how that blood's supposed to work. Nope. Nope. At this point, Susan Kane fainted. Oh, okay. And when an ER nurse faints, that's bad news bears. That is bad news. It would, I would like to state that her fainting was not in response to any of the like sights or anything. It wasn't to the, it was the crystals in the blood. She just seemed to pass out. Oh, okay. Dr. Humberto had her taken away and she like wakes up. She passes out, but she yeah. comes back conscious and she says her face is burning. Like her, the skin of her face feels like it is burning. Oh. Flames on the sides of, of my face. face. Sorry. Dr. Julie then starts to feel really nauseous. She then also feels faint, faint and decides it's best to leave the room. Oh my God, I remember this story. <laughs> she makes it to the nurse's station before passing out. Not long after that, the ER respiratory therapist, Maureen Welch, also just faints for no apparent reason. She said, quote, I remember hearing someone scream, and then when I woke up, I couldn't control the movement of my limbs. Mm-hmm. When three medical professionals all fall unconscious in quick suspe- succession, you have a problem. So the rest of the you ER also staff- have a quarantine. You also have a quarantine. The rest of the ER staff evacuated the building. They took the patients with them, thankfully, but everyone at the, but a skeleton crew led by Dr. Humberto and Gloria was removed from the ER. Everyone outside was freaking out about the possibility of a chemical contamination. So they were all stripping down to their, their like all their clothes off and throwing yeah. them into hazmat bags. Yeah. Julia Gorzinski was shaking and she developed uh, an interrupted breathing pattern. Susan Kane flailed and kicked uncontrollably while her face continued to feel like it was burning. A nurse named Sally Balderas went inside to help. They were trying to get Gory into an isolation chamber, but then started to retch and reported a burning sensation. The staff left over did their best to stabilize Gloria, but Miss Ramirez's kidneys failed and she was pronounced dead at 8.50 p.m. Yeah, I mean, all those things together, I think is pretty bad. Yeah, it's all bad. Yeah. So the hazmat team arrived on the scene at around 11 to do a sweep of the hospital. They were looking for a gas leak or a noxious chemical contamination or any number of terrible things. But to the hospital staff's relief and most likely also bafflement. Confusion. Yeah. They found nothing. They took some samples of Gloria's blood, probably very carefully, and yeah. left. Probably within hazmat suits still. Yeah. Yeah. So what the crap happened? Like I'm gonna assume we largest, still don't know. Is the it's the largest question of this story is like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> In total, twenty three people were made ill by whatever Gloria and Ramirez was emitting, five of those people being hospitalized. I mean, good thing they were already at the hospital. I literally, the next sentence is, luckily, they were already at a hospital. <laughs> so, like, I'm glad we're on that we same wavelength. share, we are drift compatible. Yes. The Riverside what Corners. Jaeger be called? Oh, excellent question. Historical context would be our Jaeger. No, it would have to be, it would have to be C, C something. But I oh, mean, it's that's real... fair. Something context. Something context. Yeah. The Riverside Corners office decided to send the issue to a lab 
Corresponding context. Corresponding context? Well, it's two uh, C's. I yeah, mean, but I don't know. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> you make one. Good attempt. The, I love you. They, again, this is a big mystery. No one knows what's up. Right. The Riverside Coroner's office is just kind of like, this is weird. We're going to look into this because a bunch of people passed out. Yeah. And they said this lady was emitting, like, smells. And also there was stuff in her blood. There was stuff in her blood. And that's weird. That is so weird. They, in early March, they contacted the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. Oh, hey. And they were like, hey. Um, I grew we, up next to that. We got ourselves in a bit of a pickle here. That's why I know this story. I because grew up the next- Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory? I grew up next to it. So, oh, hey. Yeah. Uh, the LLNL? I I had friends whose parents worked there. Nice. A, I just remember when it was evacuated on 9-11 because then all of my friends went home because all their parents were home. Okay. Fun tidbit. Because, yeah, it's full of nuclear scientists. Yeah. But There's a lot of nuclear scientists there. They also filmed parts of Star Trek there. The new one? The new one, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where they were doing and the laser experiments. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, yeah, they yeah. stayed at a place called the Rose Hotel in my hometown. And a girl who went to the rival high school from me, but this was like way after I graduated, uh, got like posted a video on Facebook of meeting them in like the hotel lobby. It was really cute. Oh man, yeah. I'm full of envy. Yeah. So anyway, that's Livermore, Pleasanton, where I grew up. Yeah. So uh, remind me to tell you the the photon cream prank later with that. You like, have have I? Yeah. I have you seen it. Um, I'm supposed to remind you. There's a photon cream prank. Oh, thank you, Mal. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for You're reminding welcome. me. No, yeah, you told me that. Yeah. I know that story. Okay, well, I'll tell Mal that story later. Yeah. Anyway, so the good people at the LLNL put their thinking caps on, started doing some tests. This is what they do best: science. They do science. They took samples from Gloria's body and did various tests to determine what chemicals were present. They found lidocaine, Tylenol, codeine, all pretty standard pain medications. And Tegan, which was an uh, anti-nausea medication. Also, or half of a lesbian group. What's the other half? Tegan and Sarah. Oh, that's right. You're right. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know if it's Tegan or Tygan. Oh, okay. It might be T. It's T-I-G-A-N. Oh, Tegan is T-E-I. It might be Tegan, Tygan. Yeah. Unknown. They were found in her body, those things. None of these would have pro- uh, produced the effects that occurred in the emergency room. Right. They also found amine, which is a derivative of ammonia. Uh, it's most likely a by. It is also a byproduct of the Tigan Tegan, whatever it is. So okay. that was not considered suspicious. Right. The last two chemicals they found were nicotinamide, nico- nicotinamide, nicotinamide. You're just gonna have to explain what these things are because yes. the non-science people in this room are like, "Are you speaking English?" Nicotinamide is sometimes mixed into meth. Oh, okay. Apparently, it causes a euphoria and can prolong the feeling of the high. I actually knew that one. Yeah, because you grew up in Fresno. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> deny it. He sh- let it be put on the record that Mao shrugged. Well, I mean, Fresno is like they love to farm and they love meth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more, more on the meth later. Okay, <laughs> no, it will come up again. Oh, I'm sure. But they also said that it was possible that Gloria Ramirez was taking diethyl sulfoxide. Uh, what is diethyl sulfoxide? Bat you are sauce? asking. No. Oh, okay. Dimethyl sulfoxide. I said it wrong the first time. Dimethyl sulfoxide. I shall tell you. DMSO is a weakly acidic compound that is used widely as an industrial solvent. Oh, okay. It is also used in a lot of pharmaceuticals. It's popular as a transporting agent because DMSO, which you can still buy in hardware stores today, 
I looked it up. You can still get it pretty cheap. Will uh, It will be absorbed harmlessly through the skin. So things mixed with it can be transported harmlessly through your skin into the deeper layers of your body. That doesn't sound like a good thing. Well, it's a good thing if you have various like medicines that you want to get into a person's body. But when it's not used for medicines, when it's used for meth. When it's, it's not, this is not used for meth. Oh, okay. The other thing is used for meth. Okay. DMSO, as far as I'm aware, is not used for meth unless there is an untapped market that we could be capitalizing on. We're going to breaking bad this shit. We're going to breaking bad this thing wide open. So it also has anti-inflammatory properties. And some people have claimed that it can be used as an alternative cure to cancer. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Another brief aside. If something is actually being used in medicine, then it is not alternative medicine. It's It's just just medicine medicine. that you are using wrong. Well, it's like, I don't remember who said it, but someone's like, alternative, like, every, every medicine you take started as a plant. Like, so deciding to go natural and treat your ailments with plants is just deciding to treat it with medicine that's 500 years old yeah you're just you're just going back in time with that on the other hand though alternative medicine is definitely going to some weird back alley like door in san francisco to have some dude yell at your organs or to have like crystals rubbed over your body yes yeah there are a lot of crystal shit that we like, we should talk about we healing should talk crystals. About the crystals. That's come some conspiracy stuff right there. There is some because like I was just trying to find a nice water bottle, and they were like this one hundred dollar crystal infused water bottle. I'm like, why would you think I'm the type of person who would buy that? <laughs> I mean, what, Chelsea, what crystals and why? I mean, it real. looks pretty. I'm not spending a hundred dollars on it. I would like to make an aside that I have no problem with people buying crystals and using them for whatever you want. If but if you're doing crystal healing, I just want you to also do other healing i want you to also go to the doctor like you can use that quartz but can you also use it in conjunction with your doctor like real talk though there's a 200 dollars rose quartz comb and i want it just because it's pretty because it's pretty and also rose quartz does feel nice on like your scalp and i imagine like brushing your hair with it would feel nice but i don't i don't think it's gonna heal me does i just it, think it would be cool does it feel different than a different rock Good like point. if I got another rock that wasn't well, rose quartz, I mean, it has to be like a smooth rock. And what's nice about I like, got you another smooth rock, <laughs> a smooth rock that like stays cool. Yeah, yeah. I can okay, do that. yeah. All right. Uh, also, another aside. Speaking of drugs, they make Advil taste good nowadays. That's they not... they put <laughs> yeah. the the coating on it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. It's the same. It's the same stuff they put on M and M's. Yeah, that's what I said when I had some today. <laughs> I was like, this is illegal and shouldn't be. Okay, this is wrong. There's also. Do you remember when you had to take some codeine because you were in a lot of pain and you were high as fuck? I mean, this isn't gonna be in the podcast, but yes, it was the best day ever. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Please keep that. Yeah, in. keep it in. Anyway, okay. so my second. But also, don't take codeine recreationally. He was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain. It and was also a terrible day. They were day. prescribed by a doctor for his wisdom teeth removal. My second thing. Okay, what I wanted to say about this was that if someone tells you can buy the cure for cancer at a hardware store, that person is lying to you and you will die. Yes. There are several takeaways to this story already. Yes. Prolonged exposure to DMSO also alters the shape of your eye lenses and it will severely screw up your eyesight. So, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. I don't know how or why, but it alters the shape of your eye lens. So like it is used in pharmaceuticals in small amounts. If you are a heavy user and prolonged use of it, it will screw up your eyesight. This whole podcast is just more information needed. There you go. (laughs) Write it on the board. 
When they finished the autopsy in April of 1994, the investigators had a press conference that said they couldn't find anything that would have caused other people to become sick. Okay. At the time, it was a big mystery, so the Department of Health and Human Services was called into the case. So now we're getting a different agency to look into this. Just all of them. All of the agencies. like a fucking Avengers of agencies trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. I would love that. (laughs) I would actually love a movie that was that. Did you ever see the movie Contagion? Yes. That was a great movie. <laughs> yes, it was It was very good. I just like scientists getting together and doing stuff well. What is your thoughts on the happening? Because like people are Dang, torn. Look. People are torn to like it's terrible and like it's great because it's satirical. I mean, what I remember from the happening was just bad acting. Okay. This is that's true. Fair. That's what I remember from the happening. Isn't Mark Wahlberg in that? Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> premise of the happening you could have done well i feel like the premise of the happening could have been done in a way that was like spooky and engaging and like psychologically without being so graphic too it didn't need to be so yeah graphic. i feel like it was un- yeah, unnecessarily it was rated R, wasn't it yeah. like and you, i was like why is this movie rated you could R? have instilled the terror without being so graphic yeah really easily the best terror is ones that do not like is unseen. Just, yeah. It's left to the imagination. Yeah, that's why yeah. the eighty like some of those horror movies are like classic, and they haven't been able to. Dude, be it's like Jason or like fucking Freddy Krueger and shit like that. That shit popped. Yeah, as soon as you put <laughs> them <It> popped. <laughs> as soon as you put them like in space, you're done. <laughs> so two scientists, anyway, were sent to investigate the scene. We have Doctor Anna Maria Azorio and Doctor uh, Kirsten Waller. Both of those are excellent names. I have They're a very good names. Yes. I've really only heard doc- female doctor names. I'm for this. Dr. Humberto at the beginning. Was male? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Humberto is heard... a man's name. I thought that was mm-hmm. the last name, actually. Yeah, I thought No, his last too. name was uh, Ochoa. Ochoa? Ochoa. Yeah. It was I had Humber- a friend whose last Dr. name was Dr. Humberto Ochoa. Oh, okay, because lots yeah. of female doctors. Chick doctors. There's, like there's a lot of ladies in this story. I'm Four for ladies to one guy, which I enjoy. Yeah. No, it was Susan, huh? Maureen. Julie and there was one more. I feel no, it was just Susan Marine. Julie, oh, okay. so it's three and then, to one, and then these yeah. two. And now there's there's Anna and Kirsten. Five to two, five Anna, to one. Anna and Kirsten. So these two arrive and immediately start going around interviewing everyone who had been in the ER at the time. Many of the staff reported shortness of breath, muscle spasms, as well as the fainting thing. They found that the staff had actually that had actually been working on Gloria Ramirez at the time had the worst symptoms. That makes sense. Which yeah. Like proximity to the source. To the source, yeah. Weirdly enough, they also found that it was mostly the female staff members that were affected. Male, many male doctors, nurses, and technicians present did not report any symptoms. Hmm. Dr. Anna and Dr. Kirsten said- Cisgendered women, to be specific, right? I don't As, think that was an issue really at the time. I, well, I mean, it was- well, 19- no, yeah, of course it was. I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a prevalent issue. As far as I am aware, yes, cisgendered okay. women at the, were, who were present. I do not, it's not stated about the gender of, like, otherwise of any members of the story. Okay. From the story that I got, all of these cisgendered women, or the, I don't know the exact terminology for it, biologically female. I think it's just cisgender. Well, no, because cisgender is somebody who presents in the same way that they identify. Yeah. Like, your your biology matches your, uh, your I thought gender it was just identity. you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth. That's what I'm saying, yes. Okay. I'm saying that there are people who are identi- are assigned female at birth but are not. They would still have the biological complications of a f- right, female body what- person. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. okay. I do not know if there are any men present who were trans men. 
That's okay. what I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. I do not know. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> or where where are the people from history is gay? Let's, need them back. Let's get some other people on the scene. So they what what came about was that they did some blood tests. They like had done blood tests at the time to investigate all the people who had these symptoms to figure it out. These doctors reviewed the information. Everything came back normal. No one had any idea what had happened. So doctor, the doctors, Dr. Anna and Dr. Kirsten, put their heads together and they couldn't think of anything. So they basically chalked it up to mass hysteria. Sure. Okay. Dr. Julia Gorzinski was not about this explanation. Good. She was, I dare say it, offended that by the idea that she imagined what had happened to her. Yeah. She had a clean bill of health, no previous cases of hallucinations, and was a medical professional herself. She was not about it, especially Good. since uh, the incident on February 19th had sent her to the intensive care unit for oh my God. breathing problems for two weeks. Jesus Christ. Uh, one does not willingly spend two weeks in an ICU unless there is something else psychologically afoot there. Yeah. Dr. Julia also developed hepatitis and avascular necrotis in her, necrosis in her knees. Jesus Christ. Uh, avascular necrosis is the death of bone tissue that's due to denial of blood to the area. Oh, my God. Yeah. The most common causes it are bone fractures and things that will thin your blood like alcoholism or radiation therapy. Also, according to Wikipedia, it can just happen sometimes. Sure. Sometimes your bones just a lot of, die. Like I, li- I like when you look at stuff like that when it's like, these are the reasons it could happen. Or it could just happen. Or sometimes it just happens. And really, that's just like, there's other reasons. We just don't know them yet. We don't know them yet, but sometimes your bones just die. We don't know why. And that's terrifying to yeah. me. So, um, obviously. Well, that's like blood clots, too. Blood clots are terrifying to they me. Because it's like, yeah. they can happen because this, this, and this, and the last thing on the list is, or they just happen. Or, you know what? Random happenstance. Yep. So Dr. Julia Grzynski actually had to be on crutches for like several months after Aww. this event because of the avascular necrosis. Yeah. Obviously, Dr. Julia claimed her ailments were linked to Gloria, Ramirez, Gloria Ramirez's death and she was suing the hospital for damages done. Oh, damn. Yeah. So she did not like being it insinuated that she was imagining it. Yeah. The other employees at the hospital also disagreed with the mass hysteria explanation. Maureen Welsh especially, especially was like, no. I did not imagine this. She calls up the director of Livermore Labs and asks him to take another look at the scenario. She literally sent him a scrapbook she had made full of case, like, news clippings and toxicology reports about the incident. Like, she makes this terrifying scrapbook and sends it to him. Because she knew. She knew, but I feel like it's some form of threat. I don't know. (laughs) It's Uh, like, I mean, is she also part of the lawsuit? Uh, as far as I know, no. Oh, okay. She did not suffer as extreme damages because she was just the respiratory technician. She wasn't all up in it. Okay. I mean, she was all up in it because she was like the one with the, the bag that you use to make them breathe. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah. So I, the director, no doubt, read it, sighed, and then called Patrick M. Grant into his office. Patrick M. Grant. Patrick M. Grant. Patrick was a nuclear scientist who had worked in LLNL because it used to be a nuclear lab back in the Cold War days. Yep. And he was like, are you sure you want me looking into this and not an organic chemist? And the lab director was like, just do it, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so he looks over all the tests and focuses in on DMSO, the dimethyl sulfoxide. Mm-hmm. Back in the 90s, DMSO was sometimes used as a home remedy for pain relief 
and people who applied it to their and people applied it to their bodies either through prescribed pills or through non-prescribed solvent bottles that they bought at the hardware store were they reported that their breath would smell like garlic. Okay. Weirdly enough, no matter how you took it, your breath would smell like garlic. You could rub it on your feet and your breath would smell like garlic. I have a new way to fight against the vampires. Yes. Awesome. Except as I go on, you may rethink that. Okay. Considering that's what Susan Cain reported smelling, this checks out. Patrick Grant also theorizes that the application of DMSO could be why Gloria's skin looked all oily. Because she applied it topically. Because she applied it topically. If the average person were to put DMSO on their skin and have it absorbed in their blood, it'd be filtered out by their kidneys because that's what kidneys do. It yeah, has, don't fucking do those detoxes. No, your kidneys. That's what kidneys are for. Kidneys do that for you. It has a half-life of about three days, so relatively speaking, it doesn't normally stay in the human body for very long. However, if you, having to, if you happen to be suffering from kidney failure because of advanced cancer and an overuse of Tylenol, then DMSO could build up in your body. And she had cervical cancer, right? She had cervical cancer and was using a lot of Tylenol. Yeah. If you were then exposed to pure oxygen, say as someone's trying to revive you in a hospital, it may cause the dimethyl sulfoxide to become dimethyl sulfone, DMSO2. Oh, okay. DMSO2 is also used as an industrial solvent, and it is also sold as a dietary supplement by people who believe that people need more sulfur in their diet for no, some reason. No, you don't. There are people who think that, and they make you eat more sulfur. I don't get it. Going on. What is wrong with people as a whole? <laughs> Dimethyl sulfone also crystallized at room temperature. Not exactly room temperature. It usually crystallizes usually a little bit below 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. But ER rooms and hospitals are kept at lower temperatures because so fever that's and stuff. the brown stuff, flecks in her blood. Which could explain the particles found in Gloria's blood. Okay. It also, also can turn into DMSO4 when exposed to electricity, which is known as dimethyl sulfate and is extremely toxic and the electricity would have been the the defibrillator yeah. yeah wikipedia says quote me2so4 which is the yep. chemical name for dimethyl sulfate is a colorless oily liquid with a slight onion-like odor although smelling it would represent significant exposure i just feel like anytime you add extra oxygen to anything it's bad news. it just becomes bad yeah yeah so wait, I'm a little, conf I mean, I'm not really confused. Let me just work this out. So yes. the people who could smell it yes. were at that moment being exposed to it. Yes. So what you're telling me is, is that this woman who died was just a walking, just exposure she was a, factor. Well, so the- After being inhibited with oxygen and electricity. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was as soon as they started defibrillating her, her original problem was the kidney failure. Right. And she had this buildup of these chemicals in her body. This is what's being hypothesized. She had this buildup of chemicals in her body, and that was exacerbating not really, but sort of the kidney failure problem. And once she had gone to the hospital, their efforts to revive her catalyzed the dimethyl sulfone. I think I said that right. And turned it into dimethyl sulfate, which is a toxic gas. And at that point, they were so close to the patient. That they were they being exposed absorbed to absorbed it. Yeah, that is what's being hypothesized. Yes. Does that clear that up? Yes, it does. Cool. So a 10-minute exposure to half a gram of dimethyl sulfate dispersed into a cubic meter of air would be enough to kill a person. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So that's fun. The ER staff may have been unintentionally dosing themselves with toxic gas. Yeah. 
Patrick M. Grant concluded that this was the, what most likely happened, and the majority of scientists agree that it is a possible theory. The symptoms of dimethyl sulfate poisoning match up extremely well with the symptoms that the hospital staff were experiencing. The only outlier was the nausea that people reported, which was not caused by dimethyl sulfate. I also personally theorize that the reason it affected predominantly women, cis women as reported, might have been something to do with the concentration. On average, women tend to have less body mass than men, so it's possible they required less exposure to be affected. I mean, it also kind of sounds like it was mostly women that were attending to her. Well, the main doctor on call was Dr. Uh, Humberto, right, who was okay. like on the scene, and he stayed to continue okay. to treat her after the ER was evacuated. Okay. So yeah, I don't get like his stats. I don't know how beefy this dude was. I don't know how close he was to the source of wherever the gas was coming out. Mm -hmm. But it was primarily like, like I said, 23 people in the ER said they were affected by it. So it was all it was only it was mostly women, but not entirely. So, yeah, I think you I think you have a good theory on the body mass. Yeah. The concentration buildup that it it starts affecting like smaller men as well. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Who knows? Who? Certainly not I. Patrick's theory was heavily contested by some who argue that an industrial that in industrial situations, when workers are exposed to DMSO4, they start tearing up as the chemicals cause the eyes to water. No hospital staff reported eye irritation. Okay. Also, the effects of DMSO4 usually show up hours after exposure, not minutes. Many scientists wrote, uh, wrote and some called in, arguing that it was impossible for this chain of chemical reactions to happen inside the human body. There, were me- there was also a minor public panic from people who used the regular DMSO yeah. and who were now worried that their home remedy would turn into a tear gas inside of them. I mean, just don't defibrillate yourself. Yeah, just don't get electrocuted. Yeah. After being exposed to a large amount of oxygen. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, it never happened again. So. Yeah. Clearly, there was not much to worry about. So it, it's not a perfect theory, but it is the one that is the most commonly accepted these days. However, there are other theories. One is that the hospital at Riverside General was making meth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the time, and up until about 2004, Riverside County was one of the largest meth sources in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I found this out by searching Riverside and meth. (laughs) (laughs) There is a highly controlled chemical called uh, methylamine. Yeah. Words. Which is used in making methamphetamine. It's hypothesized that methylamine was being smuggled through the hospital disguised in IV bags. One of those bags could have been given to Gloria Ramirez by mistake, and that's what caused the whole incident. From what I can tell, the majority of this theory relies on the fact that methylamine smells like ammonia, which is what the nurses report Gloria's blood right, smelled yeah. like. And the Nika, I forgot how to say it. That's okay. That one other drug that I mentioned thing, earlier. Yeah. That connection. Those are basically the only two pillars holding this theory up. Okay. So... It's not the strongest. No. But it is a very fun Breaking Bad mystery. Yeah. The Ramirez family denied both that Gloria was using meth or yeah. or that she was using DMSO, which at the time was a fairly common, not necessarily common, but was a home remedy for pain. Yeah, I feel like why why are they 
I can understand denying meth, like, obviously. But, like, she had cancer. Yeah. She was taking drugs to try and alleviate her pain. I don't feel like there's any reason to deny that she was using DMSO. I mean, it might have been that they did not know. It might maybe that she was not open with them about the fact that she was using it. Also it also could be that they were trying not to open themselves up to lawsuits. Possibly because they were using something in an unintended way. And then people got... And then people sick. got yeah. sick from it. It's There's a lot of what-ifs, possibilities we do not right, know. Right, yeah. They also hired their own pathologist to do tests on her body to find the cause of death. However, because the state of Gloria's body, the state was in when they finally got it back, like all the autopsies and whatnot, no official cause of death could be determined. The coroner's office had taken her heart and her organs were contaminated from the autopsies. Yeah. Gloria Ramirez was buried 10 weeks after her death on April 20th, 1994. And as far as I know, the events surrounding her death to this day remain anonymous. She officially is listed as having died of or anonymous, mysterious, mysterious, yeah, mysterious. She's officially officially listed, I believe, as having died of kidney failure. Right. Yeah. But what the hell happened? Yeah, and the whole thing we is still like, don't know. I want to know, like, I get like DMSO, I guess, is used pretty commonly like i said it's a fairly common industrial solvent it's like it's just like a cleaner it's something that dissolves stuff but why did she basically fucking bathe in it i mean because the idea because there are again there are people who claim that it's a cure for cancer that's true there are people who say that it's anti-inflammatory properties and the fact that it can penetrate your skin so well like there's all this stuff that supposedly make it a wonder drug and i guess when you're that far into because she had fairly advanced cervical cancer it might have been that she was just trying anything at that point that's fair Uh, and at the time like it was for some people use it for joint pain because it was an anti-inflammatory it was just something that people would like rub into their skin topically you could buy it as like a gel at the hardware store yeah i just keep thinking about the sad state of the american healthcare system because i was also like this i was also thinking about how on amazon there's this um there's these things you can buy on Amazon that are like they're um, antibiotics, but they're mm. supposed to be for your like your fish tank. But the reviews on Amazon are like people have been buying them because they can't afford to go to the doctor to get antibiotics. So they've been buying the fish antibiotics. Oh, man. And that just reminds me of that. A little bit. It's it's a weird intersection of like that and of alternative medicine. You shouldn't have to DIY your health. But there are people who want to. There are people who want to, but I feel like a lot of it is desperation. Possibly. I don't know the state of Gloria Ramirez's like financial yeah. situation. All I know is that there are people who touted it as a common cancer, as like a cure for cancer. Yeah. It was a common home remedy for pain. She was already taking codeine and Tylenol and all this other yeah. stuff for pain. Which is why her kidneys were failing. Which is why her kidneys were failing. Also that and the cancer. But yeah, all of this stuff was the perfect storm apparently for several people to be hospitalized for some sort of mystery gas being emitted from this woman's body. I feel like the common theory is the most logical. It does make sense. It's improbable, but it's possible. I mean, but the thing about things that are improbable is that there always just has to be a set of circumstances that line up perfectly. And it kind of sounds like that's what happened. It can happen. It can happen at least once. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story of Gloria Ramirez. She's known as the toxic woman. Yep. And she's a fairly common urban legend in California, which is probably why you guys have heard of her. Yeah, I'm. It's interesting that there is no conspiracy that she was like murdered. Nope. Usually, that always comes up. Everyone agrees that it was cancer and kidney failure and all of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some people who think she was murdered. There's probably some people who think that she was some kind of like sleeper agent who was like sent oh, yeah, as I'm like sure. a whatever. It's mostly it's mostly a thing that people 
agree that she died of the kidney failure caused by all of these factors. Right. But the mystery is just what the how happened to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, just sounds like. And then the takeaway is. Takeaway is freaking it can happen once, man. Lightning strikes, you know? Yeah. I mean, also like, turn stop, stuff into toxic gas. Stop with the DIY healthcare. Do not DIY health. Do not. If it was sold as an industrial solvent, it's, it's meant to get rid of stuff from like walls or whatever. Don't rub it on your body. Yeah. Just because I, I know that healthcare is still shitty. Just because it's used in medicine does not mean that you are using it right. I know that healthcare is shitty, but please no. So that's uh, that's my tale. All right. That's the my tale. Took a big turn from the rest of the com. I yes. think all of it was just weird. Everything's weird. But stop. Ties are weird. <laughs> the cat's here. Cat's here. Mal and I are sticking out our tongues at each other. Apparently we got, we got married. married earlier. Yeah, exactly. Stop, stop chewing on the cables. So we have some emails. Emails. I will do. So we have DIA, Detroit International Airport. It gets weirder. Or I'll, Denver International Airport. I'll do that weirder. one. And then we have a family cryptid sighting and my favorite way to get flesh off of bones. Okay, but you're going to you're gonna talk about the, the Denver International Airport? So, hi. My name is Jesse. You can use my first name, and I'm a girl. I know it's an either sex name. I feel like IE, though. No, I've seen I've seen it both ways. Okay. I've seen it both ways. I just found your podcast about two months ago, so I'm listening to episodes that were made a year ago, so I'm quite behind, and it's possible that you have heard some of this. Oh, by the way, I love it and have been binging like crazy. Aw, thank you, Jesse. Anyways, I was raised in Colorado about an hour and 15 minutes away from the Denver airport and therefore have been an avid follower of the many conspiracies that loom around the terrifying and quite frankly fucked up airport. I still want to see Blucifer in person at some point in my life. I just love... Lucifer so much. I mean, the murder statue. The murder statue, yeah. First of all, it is built on sacred Native American burial ground, which, what the fuck, considering it was built in 1995 and not 1895, how did people not have the consideration to build it somewhere else, especially considering the fact that eastern Colorado, where it resides, is basically nothing but cornfields. So DIA decided that they would pay their respects to the Native American bones they disturbed by adding in a weird and terrifying hallway which contains uncomfortably dim lighting with some portraits of natives and a few most likely stolen native items such as jewelry and pottery complete with a soundtrack of Native American drum beats and chanting. Okay. That sounds really racist. That's one way to try and give tribute. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to curse yourselves. As I'm sure you can guess, it is a bit more than unnerving to walk through and gives off more of a vibe of walking through cursed ground than it does a warm tribute. Yeah, a little bit. Also, for a brief time in 2010, there was a 26-foot-tall statue of Anubis, who is the Egyptian god of death. Because why not? As you may have guessed, a lot of people got real pissed, and it was quickly taken down. So yeah, the Denver International Airport is an enigma and is most likely a cemetery for cursed and terrifying works of art. Sorry for the long email. Keep being awesome, and I hope your 2019 has been amazing so far. Well, thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse, for that email. Yep. God, that place is so weird. We gotta go. We do. We have we gotta to go. go. We I gotta... told you that's my honeymoon. Guys, we We're all going gotta... to Denver. We gotta smuggle some. Not recording my honeymoon. Equipment. I'm sorry. My bachelorette party. We gotta smuggle some recording equipment to like a closet there or something, and then just be like, "We're inside the airport." Well, can't we like record with our phones? I mean, we could if we want the audio to suck. Well, we can just like post a video of us in the in the airport. I think that's the guess. Yeah. So I have an email our, myself from frequent emailer or I guess reoccurring emailer Caitlin 
greetings from your drunk archaeologist correspondent. Mal instantly remembers who Caitlin is. Yes. First, a family cryptid sighting. My great uncle was once drunk in a bar in the desert of Southern California, Apple Valley slash Victorville area. In a moment of brilliance, he decided he would walk home that night instead of leaving with my grandfather because he wanted to stay and drink more. Yep, that's always, you know, when your decision is to drink more, you know that good decisions will follow. I have, I don't drink personally, but I have a lot of friends who do. And they always <laughs> say that drunk them wants to perpetuate drunk them. Right. Drunk them just wants to continue being drunk. Drunk Chelsea is even more fighty, if you can believe it. I can. Yeah, I know. I, I can, in fact, because drunk Chelsea is just you without anxiety. <laughs> That's true. And I'm like <laughs> terrified of that. I'm not about it. I feel like maybe the anxiety was given to me as, as God's way of holding you back. <laughs> yeah. I was too powerful. It was God's way of protecting us all. I, I'll admit, being her partner, that the moment she stops having anxiety about something, she's a badass. <laughs> she's like, this, it's mine. So Thank around- you, Bonnie. I love you. Around midnight, Caitlin's great great uncle bursts through the door, white as a sheet and completely drunk, convinced that Bigfoot had followed him home. Yep, that happens. The family calmed him down and told him they would go looking for tracks in the morning. Come morning, they retraced my uncle's steps and found the tracks. Not Bigfoot tracks, mountain lion tracks. My uncle was so drunk that a mountain lion followed him home, waiting for him to fall over. So not a true cryptid sighting, but just as frightening. Fucking hilarious. Mal, this is little bits for you. Yeah. Yay. Last episode, Mal asked for spooky facts. So here's my preferred way of getting flesh off of bones. Yeah. You're welcome. This is a thing that happens on our podcast now. In my grad program, we use defleshing crates to take specimen down to just bones. We built the crates with quarter inch mesh screens on wooden frames and locks with locks. They had to have locks because people and vermin tried to steal the carcasses. People? People would steal the carcasses, Caitlin? Why? 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 Who? We would then dump fire ants on top of the crates with the hope that once they calmed down, they would eat the meat. I'm sorry. Well, okay, so that means that you purposely made fire ants irate. You made them mad. (laughs) And then just dumped them them onto the box of meat. I want to just be like, to just shake the box of shake meat. The box of shake ants. the meat box and give the ants their tribute. No, shake the ant box. Shake the ant box and then give them their tribute. And then imagine they just threw the box on the ground in front of the the, like the deflation. And then ran. And then ran. <laughs> like This away. typically this typically meant running around our yard with shovels, scooping up fire ant mounds, and running back to the crate. <laughs> This method takes a little longer since you typically need to go apply fire ants regularly. Apply fire ants directly to, to the, the meat box. <laughs> Mastication. Apply directly to the meat box. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The, but the smell of rotting flesh dissipates fairly quickly when outside and you can put cr- the crate near the neighbor's house that you don't like. Hey, I approve. Also, can Mal give us pep talks every now and then? His recording from Christmas was really sweet and uplifting. Thanks Aww. again for everything a you lot do. Of people have Caitlin. been talking about your Christmas message. Your thank Christmas you. pep talk. That was not scripted at all. I literally just put the camera on. It was, was kind like... of we. Could, it was. A little, I could tell a little bit. That was. You well, have like, a thing that you say where you say so um, as it goes frequently. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed. You. What I say as it goes a or? lot. 
You do. Oh, okay. You're cute. And so I can tell when something's not scripted because you use it like every other sentence. But also, yeah, you could do pep talks and put them on Twitter. Yeah. 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 So you're thank apparently you. really good at it. Thank you. Are you are really good at it. Jesse and Caitlin for sending in your stories. Thank they you. were thank both, you so much. They were both very good. I am just imagining grad students with fire ants now. Just like running around frantically with fire ants at the end on, of the shovel. The like, of a shovel. I would love that also as a shirt. Just a shovel with like some dirt and some angry, angry fire ants. not our shirt to make. Oh, this man. is Caitlin's shirt to make. All the shirts we could be making. We have some time. We don't have to if you don't want to. But I've told a story or two. Would you like another story about Christian school? Yes. <laughs> is this one I've heard? I don't know. Okay. So can you guys guess? What it means to get in trouble at a Christian school and what the consequences are. God doesn't love you? Definitely. That's That was one of the things I remember being told to me as a young prepubescent 14-year-old who good. was so alone. Prepubescent? Yeah, you're not prepubescent at 14. At 14? They also didn't teach us about puberty, so That's, I mean. I guess, yeah. yeah. The I amount about... of science questions you send me on, on Facebook. Or... I, it makes me so happy that I have a I'm scientist. Glad. I'm glad. I enjoy explaining things. I, I messaged Christina, what happens if wood is in space? And we had a discussion about yeah. why they don't make rockets out of wood. And it was very we enlightening. We went to the nursery on Sunday, yes. and you and Eric just had a conversation about plants growing in space, and I was just sitting there, or standing there like, I understand none of this conversation. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. That would have been enlightening. Anyway, so once... Plants, by the way, are not controlled by gravity and can grow in space. That is what the that was we came to at the end of the conversation. Yep. Huh. Plants can grow in space. Anyway, yeah. once I got in trouble in my private Christian school. Okay. I don't remember what I did. I, think I was, was about to ask, what did you I do? I think it was because I'm brown. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. I'm I'm that was a joke, but it also could not might did not. Did you have take been. an extra wafer? Like what's the No, that's Catholic. There was no wafers. There was no wafers? No. I thought that was more than just Catholic. Oh, maybe it is. I thought the other sects of Christianity Wait, also did that. we also the... had a discussion about that. Yeah. I think there are other sects of Christianity, but that, I don't know. That do the ritual cannibalism. Yeah. Well, I didn't have that one. Okay. Anyway, I think I talked some sass or something about Jesus. I don't remember. So anyway, I was brought talking to- sass. You talking smack about the Lord? Malachi, you've sinned against God. <laughs> I think that was what was said. keep bringing that back. <laughs> <laughs> but- <laughs> You're never going to finish You're it. never going to finish the story. I'm sorry. So I was brought in front of the, the principal. And he's like, why did I bring you in today? Oh, never mind. It was because I brought a knife to school. That's what? why. Wait. <laughs> oh, this is when you brought a knife to school. Rever- okay. Why? Okay. Okay. Let me let me That's back up. Why? Okay. All right. I guess we're actually going into story time. Why did you here. bring a knife to school? So actually, school, he had a good reason. I can't remember fully everything I told you. So I'm just going to journalize and summarize. So there was this chick in art class who was preppy as fuck mm-hmm. who was like, half bullying me, half making fun of me in class. Okay. So I leaned hard into it. And I was like leaning really into like the emo, like be worried, I'm be scared. I'm going to cut you? Not that I'm going to cut you, but like life is suck, life is death. Okay. And I was only doing it during this class, which was art appreciation class, because I was bored. And no one appreciates art in art appreciation class. So I had nothing better to do. Then I, so she kind of has to do with the story. I was taking the bus to school though. Okay. And as a kid, who basically lived alone, I wasn't sure what it meant to take the bus. And I'd never taken the bus before. So I brought a tiny steak knife with me in my calculator pocket in my backpack next to the calculator, obviously. It was so dull, it couldn't even cut steak. I used it for years. 
I can't. What is this look you're giving me? I need you to describe it because it's an audio medium. So it's a small wooden handle, probably. No, about... not the knife. <laughs> the look I'm giving you. I, I don't need know you how to describe. You have like you're disbelief. Concerned. There's a lot of concern happening. So you brought a knife to school. Yes, it was. And a... you got in trouble. So what happened was is that in order to go to the PE class, you had to walk across campus. Yes. So at the same time, this chick who I didn't like, who I meant no ill will towards, was in front of me. And I actually tripped and dropped all my shit, including the knife, miraculously popped out of the bag on the, the floor. Did the calculator pop out? Yes. Darn. Sorry. Um, this chick saw, thought that I had attempted to bring it out to stab her, which didn't happen, and then told whatever it is, um, the, the, the people in charge and whatever, and blah, blah, blah. The so principal? that's the story. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, I was brought to the principal's office, and they're like, you've sinned against God, Malachi. Malachi sinned against God. Yes. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> Malachi sinned against God. <laughs> and uh, what had happened was, is that there was much more that happened because of this, but his first words were, let's pray. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, yes, we should must ask God for forgiveness. And I was like, do I ask God for forgiveness? And he's like, no, no, I ask God for forgiveness for you. I will pray for you. And I was like, but how does that, how does that help me become forgiven? He's like, don't question it. And I was like, but. My drama teacher told me I can question anything I want. And he was like, that's why we fired the drama teacher. True story. Oh, wow. Anyway. Oh, oh, sadness. Our drama teacher used to be our Bible teacher, and then he stopped being a teacher. Anyway. Uh, There's so many layers. There's so many, like an onion. This is a weird religious onion. What happened was, is that we prayed, and then he was like, how do you feel? And I was like, like I did 10 seconds ago. And he was like, did you not hear God speaking to you? And I was like. Was I supposed to hear That's voices in my head? That's when you start lying, Mal, and you say, yes, he <laughs> no. told me the error of my ways. See, nope. this is where I would start lying out my ass. Nope, nope, because I was I was young and innocent and not corrupted yet. And um, all this led me to going to public school, which I'm so happy about. But he was like, you know, you didn't hear anything. He's like, no, I, I've never heard God in my head ever. And he's like, all the other students tell me they do. And I was like, well, That's I don't. the other ones. <laughs> the other ones caught with on. with the program now. <laughs> yeah. I was not. So he's like, you must go back to your class and think about the fact that you can't hear God. Not that you brought a knife to school was not what I needed to think about. No, that wasn't a concern. So anyway, um, I had the option to summarize the story. Hold on. I was given the option to either get expelled or to have my um, grades frozen and then to re- eject myself from a, the private school. Okay. So then I was sent to public school and all of my friends in private school were like, oh yeah, when you go to public school, there's going to be knife fights and fires, and you can bribe the teachers with, with drugs. So okay. then my first week in public school, I go up to a teacher and say, when's the next fight I want in? I remember you telling me this. And yeah. I immediately went to Saturday school, yep. and I was branded as a troublemaker for two whole years. Yep, I remember you telling me that. No one fucking offered me drugs, and I'm actually <laughs> upset about that. I'm not even interested anymore, but fuck, I, I was a cool kid. I just feel angry for being excluded. Exactly. Anyway, that's my story. All right, well, thank you for your story, Mel. There's so many layers. You have told me the story, by the way. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's so much happening. Yeah. Cool. There's more. We dissected frogs. Yeah. I know. We did also. Yeah. I didn't. We weren't talking anything about the frogs. We were just told that since we dissected the frogs, that was now a sin. So if you have a fun story that you would like to send us, if you have a weird family history thing or a recommendation that you would like to give us about future podcast episodes, or if you want to recommend like a good terrible trashy romance novel for part of the paranormal feel free to send those to us at cultscriptedconspiracies at gmail.com and if you have a correction or you'd like to do a small thread about burb anatomy burb burbs you can send 
that and memes. Sorry, Stitches just smacked Mal. Stitches love that. and attention. If you want to give Stitches love and attention, yeah, call out to uh, her on our Twitter, which is at C3 Podcast. We also have a Facebook group where you can review the podcast. You can send us more memes. You can message us directly. And you can talk amongst yourselves, I guess. Yeah, give us them good, sweet memes. Yeah. Where, where is we that? We are devoid of memes. We are at Facebook. We're devoid? Devoid. Devoid. Whatever. Fuck. We're going to have a deep conversation <laughs> about the way you pronounce things. What is our Facebook, Chelsea? Facebook.com slash conspiracies. We have to go appease stitches. Uh, but you can also have... Like, I guess you can go to your local hardware store and get some solvents and not rub them on your body, but then maybe inform people about political cult motivations. I don't know. You can run for office and swear on, like, your iPhone with our podcast playing and then tell everyone that we are your religion and that they should follow us. We could. and, And also part of our religion is not rubbing hardware store supplies on your skin. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Anyway. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. That's all. That's I think all we all got. We will see you all next week when we talk about some other fun, weird, strange, depressing. Not what have fun. you? Sometimes depressing. That's why I added that in there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sometimes it's rage inducing. Sometimes it's funny. Who knows? It's a wild roller coaster of emotions here on Colts, Cryptids, and Conspiracies. It is. Yeah. Um, bye, Christina. Bye, Chelsea. Bye, bye, Mal. Mal. Bye, ladies. I've yeah. had fun fact. I've had now three different names in my life. Yeah, oh, I man. saw the paperwork for your name for your name change to Romero. Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh fuck, I forgot about that." Mm-hmm. That's a nice little fun one too. I'm a very odd person. <laughs> you, just, you just have had a very, I don't know what what's the word like a sordid past. Yeah, I guess. Yes, you could write a novel about me. Yeah. I just had a thought because you said banana bread. <laughs> what I feel like if we ever do make banana bread T-shirts, we have to make one T-shirt that's different. It's like the same design, but like 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 all the banana bread t-shirts have actual like banana bread on them, but there's one t-shirt that is the same design, but it's three bags of uh confectioner yes. sugar. <laughs> and that shirt's only goes to Mao. Yes. <laughs> He's the only one who gets that one. So if you see him in the wild, you'll know. You'll know. Um, I wanted to do that meme of that dude who's walking with this girl, but like looks over his shoulder to the left at this other chick. Yes. I want to do a meme where it's like you're on the right, Chelsea, and it's like giving me clear instructions. In the middle is Ms. Me, Mal, and the left is six pounds of confectioner sugar. I think that should be a mug, though, like a cartoon drawing of three bags of confectioner sugar with banana bread underneath. Banana bread. I feel like you could also make a good shirt because it's ironic in the way that it doesn't make any sense out that's of context. True. No, and people that's a great shirt, crap. too. Yeah. Um, if any of our listeners want to work on getting us that design or even just send me a shirt, I will love you for the rest of eternity. I feel we don't like have like we, a P.O. box. We need, to su- we need to secure you the only banana bread shirt with the sugar on it so that if anyone ever encounters you, they're like, wait. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he's gonna, I know him without ever having have, to see your face. If he's going to have the only shirt with the confectioner sugar on it, then yeah. I say we should just have a mug with the confectioner sugar on it instead of a t-shirt. No. The t-shirts. I want the shirt. I, feel I like, realize that. No, I'm saying that imagine, you- Imagine, if you will, a group of people with the banana bread shirt that has banana bread. I'm saying we have both. I know. I understand what okay. you're saying. I feel like- I understand what you're saying. I just disagree. <laughs> That's no, what I'm... I guess I'll take the cup too, but we have plenty of cups. Okay, no, I'm saying you have the shirt with the confectioner sugar, and it says banana bread, but the one we sell, it just has a picture of banana bread, like a caricature of you as banana bread, I feel. 
<laughs> that would be cute. So it's like how they do the art at the Great British Bake Off. Yes. Like there's that person who draws oh, what their yeah. bakes are supposed to look like. So it's like banana bread, but it's mouth. <laughs> yeah. I'm bread. But I'm saying that separately, since you have the only shirt with the confectioner sugar on it, separately as a mug, we sell that shirt basically as a mug. Oh, shall sell that design on a mug. Yes, not they a shirt. Not a shirt, but yeah. I get the shirt. You get the shirt. Because I think it's cute as a mug. Or we just have a shirt that has no design on it. It just says banana bread. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> just it- air quotes around it, though. It has to have the air quotes <laughs> on each side. I'm Banana bread. I still want the cutesy cartoon bread on it, though. We are taking we can- auditions for art. <laughs> Is that how that works? No, we take commissions. Know. No, no, we auditions. Are, we commission people. Yeah, we're, we, that's right. We don't take commissions. We do the commissioning. We, we pay wait, people. Hang on. We're not artists, but if we took commissions, what would that look like? Like, what would we be paid to do? I don't know. This podcast, probably? Well, I mean, we're just doing it anyway. We don't really take commissions. <laughs> right? We're not wrong. We're just here. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.